Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Coach's Journey podcast. Robbie here, and in this episode, I'm joined by Samir Rahman. New developments in artificial intelligence make the news headlines so often that many people, including coaches and their clients, are wondering just how AI advances will affect their jobs, their careers, and their lives. In this sponsored episode of the Coach's Journey podcast, AI expert Samir Rahman offers a rare insight into the way machine learning is shaping the future of coaching by fueling the creation of tools that can save coaches time, improve their productivity, and capture even more meaningful moments. Samir is the co-founder of Heyday, an AI thought partner that helps coaches and other knowledge workers by generating automatic session notes, detecting patterns in client conversations, and aggregating information about clients, all driven by machine learning and AI. Uh, In this conversation with me, Samir opens up about the impacts that coaching has had on his journey through a career in which he has founded two startups, worked in others, um, and how he has sought out the coaches who could bring out the very best in him at at those particular moments. Um, He also describes the development process that led to Heyday's creation, which involved careful consultation with coaches and produced some, some fantastic revelations about the way practitioners work and their most pressing needs. Um, We also touch on the power of coaching for new managers and founders alike, how the coaching we need changes at different stages in our careers, the way AI and machine learning are likely to disrupt the world of work and the coaching industry and the ways they aren't, Um, and what strange and admirable qualities coaches have that that Samir has observed from someone who has studied them as as his customer group. Samir describes Heyday, um, which offers a free two-week trial to all new signups, um, and how um, that has changed the lives and the work of coaches who use it and the impact of that on, on the coaches and also on their clients. And this is a first for the Coaches Journey podcast, uh, a first sponsor on board, and we're hugely grateful to Sam, Samir, and everybody at Heyday for their support of the Coaches Journey podcast, um, which we hope will enable us to continue to support coaches to create thriving businesses and thrive as they do it. And and Samir, Sam, and the team at Heyday clearly know and believe like we do in the power of coaching. Um, and we wouldn't have been excited to have this conversation with Samir if it wasn't that Heyday was a fascinating tool, um, that Samir is a, a great guest with so many interesting perspectives, and if AI wasn't a topic that all coaches should be at least a little aware of, because, you know, as I describe, it's come up with my clients um, and and will come up more and more for us as coaches and, and people operating in the world. Um, we barely, in some ways, scratch the surface of what's possible with AI machine learning in this conversation. And yeah, I hope we give you, uh, give listeners, whether they are new to the AI conversation or have been in it, in it plenty, um, I hope we give you new perspectives on, on what's happening and how to think about how AI and machine learning is going to affect the world of work. As I say, hugely grateful to Heyday and everyone there for their support of the show. And also, of course, grateful to um, our supporters and and community members. Um, if you're interested in supporting the show further, you can find out more about becoming a supporter of the show at patreon.com slash thecoachesjourney and find out more about joining the Coaches Journey community, my flexible, affordable group coaching program for coaches at thecoachesjourney.com slash community. And particularly, a big thank you to Alex Whitten, David Norris, Joey Owen, and Ruth Saville for your ongoing support. So look, I had a wonderful conversation with Samir, uh, a really a really exciting, enlivening, inspiring way to spend what was for me um, a Thursday evening and for Samir uh, a Thursday morning. Um, and amongst many things, I love the opportunity to really get into with Samir what it's like as a leader to be experiencing coaching, when and how it was useful to him. And, and that's, of course, how we start with with how did Samir first come across coaching? But there's so much in this conversation, so many things and places we could have jumped off further and dug in more. Um, and I'm really hoping that you just have a wonderful time listening to this conversation between me and Samir Rahman. Samir, 
Tamir. Welcome to the Coach's Journey podcast. Hey, Robbie, how's it going? Uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's a total pleasure. Looking forward to going in all kinds of directions in this conversation, as we did in our in our pre-recording chat. Um, <laughs> but uh, first of all, I'm going to start the way we start a lot of the, the episodes on the show. Where did you first come across coaching as a thing in the way that I do it now and, and you support coaches? Yeah, great question. Um, so uh, I, I, my background is a, is a, you know, I started as a, I studied engineering, studied machine learning, like what, you know, one of the topics we'll get to is like AI, but it, machine learning is sort of like the, the thing behind the AI, like the, the science behind the AI in some ways. So um, I've been a software engineer or electrical engineer for most have for my initial part of my career. Uh, but I became a manager and a head of a team, uh, you know, a few years in, like four or five years in. Uh, and I was very good at what I did as an individual contributor, but I, you know, having taking over a team of three or four people, uh, I wanted to, it, it, I, I knew it was a different job. I definitely realized even more how much of a different job it was uh, as I spent more time with it. But uh, immediately I asked like, hey, like, um, I know uh, the company that I worked at at the time called, it was called Mattermark. Uh, I asked my boss, who's the CTO, hey, uh, I want to be a really good manager. Can we, is there like coaching, consulting for, you know, helping managers? And so that was the first time we found um, uh, a firm that basically worked with uh, us to offer 90 day, like initial management coaching kind of sprint. Uh, that was like my first experience with coaching. And then I've been a founder for two different companies now. Uh, and since the, after that first coaching experience, um, I, I'd, uh, I felt like I was doing pretty well as a manager, as a leader, didn't delve back in until the pandemic when I felt like suddenly, uh, I was, uh, I had to, lead a team remotely uh out of the blue uh of like 10 people and i felt like uh i felt kind of out of depths i'd say from uh you know it, was i actually out of depths i don't know but like uh i felt like uh uh i i couldn't manage or lead as as well as i could with this really sudden shift and so i uh reached out to some executive coaches and that's where I've since then I've basically had an executive coach like uh for the whole four years. Uh two different coaches who I've loved working with. But uh yeah, that's my kind of experience with working with coaches directly. Uh obviously as you know, I'm 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 a founder of a product that uh is an AI thought partner for uh primarily focusing on coaches and consultants right now. So I've been working closely with coaches in that capacity too. But uh uh yeah, like, um, I will say, like, initial, like, initially, after my first, like, stint of management coaching, it was definitely helpful. I wasn't sure. I was very skeptical of, like, long-term executive coaching. Uh, and then uh, my experience with it when I was, like, uh, I really need some help trying to manage people remotely uh, completely changed my mind. So that that's that's always that's always fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, so much in there, Samir, and we'll get yeah. to, like, I'm sure we'll get to talking about the, 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 the support you are giving to coaches now. And also, I, yeah, I love the, one of the things I was really interested in thinking about when, well, two of the things I was interested in thinking about when we were, you know, when I was researching and, and, and thinking about this conversation. Yeah. One is like, yeah, we'll get to that later. I think what you saw, what you've seen 
from the outside looking in at coaches as a profession and helping them and i'd love to to hear more about that but uh, i was also really curious because i knew you'd you know had a coach for a long time and was just really curious because mostly the guests on this show are coaches and although right. we have our own experience of of coaching most of us you know i've been coached by a whole bunch of amazing people and made a huge difference to my my life my work yeah it's it's a it's rare on the show that i get to speak to somebody who's been in the thick of leadership challenges and the coaching they've right. had and, and you've named two like fantastic but different um situations like uh, uh, you know to some extent which i had coached people have coached people in you know that amazing right. individual contributors to manager step and yeah. one of the things i always think about when i hear somebody like you saying that who's who's working in in software development i guess at the time yeah is that i that that's not just in, and it's often talked about as as a thing that happens in tech companies and it, it yep. is I, you know that i've worked with people in those situations but one of my jobs before i became a coach was working in training and development at the royal opera house in in london and i noticed it there as well because you would get yeah. a craftsperson you'd right. get an individual contributor who would become a manager in uh, the props department or the scenic uh, design department or whatever it yep. was and they had exactly the same challenge like amazing you know, prop maker doesn't necessarily mean perfectly ready to run the whole shop, you know? Right. And yeah, yeah. so it's, I, I love that reflection. Um, what, so what happened within that 90 day kind of getting up to speed? Do you remember like what you learned and how the coaching helped at that stage? It's so long ago now. It's like eight years ago, maybe seven, eight, eight years ago. So, uh, you know, uh, I'm trying to remember uh, how to I definitely really enjoyed working with my coach. She was uh, she was a great mix because she was a coach, uh, a part time comedian. And she'd also been a like a like a consultant at a hedge fund. So had like this amazing combo of experiences that made me uh, both. So both respect like that she'd been there herself in some ways of being an operator. She'd been a manager, et cetera. I, I, I like people who don't take themselves too seriously, even if they're doing things, the serious things. Um, so having that comedian background and like, just like being a little bit more Lucy rather than like serious. I, I mean, most coaches I've found is, are, or at least good coaches are uh, now, but uh, yeah, like at the time I was like, well, is this going to be some like really like suity person? That's like, yeah. These are the principles of management. Um, and it wasn't that at all. And so that was awesome. Um, and I think the coolest thing was kind of just like talking through uh, my uh, perceptions versus reality versus like how to um, manage fo like some when I became a manager, uh, I was basically there were different levels of people I, I was managing one of them was a peer of mine until i got promoted and so there was like the dynamic like very specific dynamics to like handle well like is there some jealousy like I, or what like or am i just perceiving that or so they were like just like mental stuff and then also just like uh okay if someone is underperforming what am i what's the right way to get them to perform how do i help them without uh without doing the job for them. One of the, one of the struggles I still have to this day, uh, and I've been doing the, and I've been managing and leading for a long time is being a really good individual contributor. And, um, I'm good at a lot of things. So 
I find it hard sometimes to stop myself from being like, you know, for the company, the priority or the team or whatever, the priority is to get this done. So I know the shortcut path, which is, I know the answer, give the answer, do it versus no, like my job is to coach and mentor so that I don't always have to be giving the answer or someone gets good enough to even come up with different answers that might be better than mine. And I struggle with that. And that was one of the things that like initially she identified pretty quickly. It's probably like a common thing with like um, high performing individuals who become managers. Uh, So like stuff like that, just like things that are unique to my situation and things that are very, uh, very common across like high performing individual suddenly becomes manager. Uh, whatever the profession is, like you said, it, it's probably the same. There's like same the same problems. <laughs> yeah, well, it's just making me laugh. I always think when whenever I'm talking to somebody about that issue that, that right. you're, just, you're just naming. Did you ever watch Killing Eve? Yeah. Which is like, so So there's a great bit in that where the, the older woman, Russian assassin, is talking right. to Villanelle and she basically says something like, management is just watching people do things worse than you could do them. And that is, for me, what it feels like as well. And I can kind of hear that in in your story there. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, definitely. And then part of it is like, okay, yeah, yeah. That's that's definitely the... The, the initial reaction. And then there's the, the knowledge, right? There's the knowledge that there's there's more to it than that. It's not as simple. Yeah, and, and, and then you can transcend and include it. But um, that is what it feels like. Yeah, I, I mean, I think like getting to the point where you're like, okay, uh is it okay that they will do things worse than you forever? Uh, if, uh, and like, let's say their, their trajectory is they're still growing. So they, they probably won't be doing things worse than you forever. If their trajectory isn't growing anymore, is it okay? The level that they've gotten to, uh, it's, it's good enough that it's, they're still really good, but not like, I don't know. There's different things that everyone's good at. So is that okay? Uh, and so, Basically making the judgment call between uh, we should probably let this person go or, or uh, you know, invest in mentoring them is, is tough. Uh, because eventually, I think that's, that's the call. Like, it's kind of binary at some point. It's like, are they good enough slash growing enough that you think that they're, they're useful to the team and the company? And someone that you think you can mentor and you'll get you'll get joy out of helping them grow uh versus they're maybe not growing anymore and and it's not good enough and then you have to make that call (laughs) it's tough sometimes yeah i can imagine and and of course in there is you know I'm, i'm really aware that um, in that in that comment from the Russian assassin is a, is like a set of assumptions. It's her, right? If we're, if we're yeah. being serious, then it's right. it's her worldview or view right. on the world that is showing that is the assumption that this person is doing it worse. And you know, when right. I think about those things as as my business has grown and I've got different partnerships and people I work with in different ways, you know, there's lots of yeah. There are questions that I'm asking. Some of them are the same as as what you're asking. Some of them are just like, oh, I'm, actually, am I happy for somebody? Like, you know, am I happy for this to? Does this really have to meet my ridiculously yeah. high standards of of yeah. perfection, or is it actually right. fine that somebody else is doing this really well, yeah. um, and it, better that they're doing it really well than that I'm doing it speech marks perfectly? Yeah. Um, right. And, yeah, and there are exactly. so, so many parts of of that, but I, but I hear that 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 particular leadership challenge as well, like especially in fast moving organizations, like you know if if a right. pro, if the pressure is on, 
you know, there is a sense of actually sometimes it's the right thing to move people on and, and you have to make those decisions when you're when you're a leader. And I guess to, to bounce a little bit back to those 90 days, it sounds like. Yeah. And I think this is why coaching in those 90 days is so or in that kind of situation is so valuable that in a way it's in a way, even the even the general things like this one we've just been talking about the best way for you to grow as a leader is to have the specific of you working out how you handle, um, do I tell them how to do it really fast now or do I help them grow? And that kind of learning is, is really important. And, and I, you know, I, am sure, you know, it's like general advice is pretty like, I guess it works, but like, uh, knowing the context of who the leader is and who that person is that they're dealing with and everything around that, is very important like <laughs> like well, not yeah and and actually like a thing i was reflecting on today with a with a client is like sometimes i've been in situations where my coach has said something that they've said to me before or i've read them right somewhere before right and yet they say it to me in the perfect moment having heard the context or holding that the moment that i'm in and, and it lands in a different way and yeah. and the difference between, yeah, someone generally saying it in the kind of, oh, here are the principles of management thing that you were talking about before, and getting right. the reflection in the exact right moment is exactly. weirdly different. Um, yeah, very, very different. And like eye-opening, right? It's like, yeah. it's it's sort of like um, unlocks like an understanding that wouldn't have, you could read about something hypothetically so many times. I'm I'm such a, you know, I'm like born to be an engineer in many ways uh, or a creator because I I learn by doing and creating and tinkering. And so like the same thing is true with even with management is like if I like I can't like I you can give me these like high level things. Uh, it just doesn't make it like it won't do anything for me until I like try to apply them or try to work with them. Yeah. And, and I think that although. I don't know, one of my mentors, a guy called Miles Downey, so people can listen to him on the podcast if they want to go back and do that. He comes from the school uh, which originated with the uh, kind of the inner game of tennis. I don't know if you've ever come yeah, across that book. I love that book. <laughs> but it's like, I, I've never been as convinced by, by both that book and Miles that directional learning, like it doesn't really work. And Miles tells this amazing story. I think I made him retell it on the show because it's such a, he's got a bunch of them like this, but he says yeah. this great story in one of his books about, he gives this kind of transcript of him coaching somebody at golf. Uh-huh. And 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 he says the you know I can't remember exactly how he says it because it's quite funny. Let's see if I can do it. It's like you know what what stands out for you as you read that. You may notice that I didn't give any advice on how to play golf. Right, I just asked right. questions and reflected things. And he says there's two reasons for that. And this, by the way, the the, the thing that's happened is the guy has over the, over the course of like you know I don't know how long it is one lesson one coaching session has gone from his drive I don't know anything about golf so, so forgive me everyone who's listening who does like you know his drive being skew if and short to straight and always 200 yards or whatever it is yeah, yeah. and you may notice I didn't say anything about golf in this that's for two reasons one I don't believe in directional teaching I don't believe it works and the other is I don't know anything about golf that's and so he's just all he's done is like get this guy to pay attention in the right. right way and these things have happened and so i think that like you know i guess i'm invested in believing this because of the work i do but i i think that there's just a real truth in what you've just said that it's it's yeah. not just a creator or a an engineer it it's most people actually really learn like you can kind of mentally learn something but to really learn it yeah. is to get get the insight at the right moment in the way we've been talking about and then apply it and then see that it works or doesn't and then you know notice what's happening I think that's true for most people. I do have friends who I think they have that academicness tendency and and like 
and they have that tendency because they like playing with thought. Um, what's the what's the good the thought problems? What's the sorry? I'm like my brain is not working right now. Uh, uh, you like know, brain models, a brain in a tank. What's that like a thought um, experiment? Thought experiment. Sorry, yeah. yes. <laughs> It's all right. It's early morning for Samir. He's he's like got in early to do this call. I think so. Like that's very very uh, very excusable. Yeah. yeah right. They. Yeah. No. That, that's true. And 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 to, I noticed that I am sometimes that as well. Like I actually do. I love learning from reading when I can. But what I really love, and when I notice things really shifting for me, is when I learn by reading, and yeah. then I have to apply it, or I can apply those things straight away. Those yeah. are the things that stay with me. Right. For me yeah. personally. Right. Um, yeah. Same. And. Yeah. Samir, again, I'm sorry, I'm going to catch one more thing that I've just got like this little little thing in the back of my mind from this 90-day yeah. experience you had. By the way, if, do you want to give a shout to that coach or that company? I don't know if that's interesting. People might be curious about who they are. The, or... Yeah, so uh, that company has now um, actually been acquired by a different company, and so they're not, they don't exist anymore. It's, it was called Allegory uh, Inc. Um, the founder actually became my first executive coach, hmm. but the um, other... The person that I worked with directly was Daya Lakshmanarayan. Uh, she's, yeah, you're she's gonna have to send me that. Send, send me that. Yeah, name I'll, 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 send, I'll send her. Uh, I'll send her LinkedIn over to you. Yeah, yeah, uh, we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, she was. She was awesome. Uh, but all all these folks are San Francisco Bay Area uh, people. Yeah. Um, I, uh, other than the pandemic, I've been very uh, adamant about um, getting coaching in person, mm-hmm. mostly because for me, I I get. I'm more of I'm very much a physical presence person in many ways. We're having a great conversation, but uh, I think personally, I think we'd have a better conversation if we're sitting across from each other on a table, probably with a beer in hand. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I think so. Uh, I actually meet with my current coach uh, once a week at a bar at 7 p.m. on a Tuesday, uh, mostly because I want to be in a in the place where I'm most comfortable discussing things so i'm ready to be open uh and so for me that's in person and in a more casual situation uh, i know a lot of i for example one of my best friends is a coach and he says like uh, a lot of his clients probably wouldn't want that because they want to have that professionalism around their work conversations uh and that that i totally understand too uh i just I know that the things that I need help with are less buttoned up in some ways. And so having the uh, ability kind of kind of like similar to this conversation, the the space to not feel constrained by what is typical work versus not uh, is super helpful. Um, So, yeah, I've been meeting in person forever uh, with my coaches. Where did I go off with that? So yeah, all my co- all my coaching is basically all the folks that I know in coaching uh, that I've worked with are in the Bay Area. Yeah, yeah, but it's lovely to um, <clears throat> it's always lovely to get those the sense of who these people are because I think that especially yeah. the new coaches starting out, you know, you get a bit of the sense of that woman whose name I, I was it like Georgian or something. Her name sounds Georgian. I don't know. Like, uh, she's uh, she's uh, I she's I think from Guyana. Ah, uh, interesting. But um, from Indian heritage families from Guyana. So like, you know, 
the, the name is definitely Indian. Uh, yeah, yeah. Ah, okay. Narayan, I think. Yeah. So, so yeah, like, uh, um, one of the things, so, so people like, you know, it's just great to get this feel for this woman who yeah. ended up coaching you. And, and the other thing I just want to pull out for listeners from what you're saying is, you know, I feel a bit differently now, but uh, you know, when I was starting out, cause I didn't come from a background in, you know, I didn't, I mean, I didn't have the cool hedge fund background that she had, which would have made me right. feel very credible. But yeah. what I love about that is she also really clearly didn't have the background that you were expecting or yeah. that of you. And, and I just think yeah. it's really important to remember that and that her quirky stand-up comedian side yeah. was really valuable because a lot of, yeah. um, especially, I think it's true in the UK, but I think it's true in certainly some parts of the US too, this kind of sense of executive coaching looking a certain way. And and, and maybe yeah. that's because it did Le- and has done, Le- but it's less, less in the Bay Area. I would yeah, say definitely right. less in the Bay Area, yeah. but uh, way more in New York for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, that's really important to remember. And I love, the, I love what you said about meeting in the bar as well. Like, it's interesting because I think it really, yeah, it really depends on the coach, doesn't it? But also, crucially, what you're saying is on the client, on you, right? Because yeah. if, well, if, yeah. Yeah, part of it is like, it, it does depend on the coach. But that probably means that um, if the client is someone who would feel most comfortable in a bar and that coach is not able to be comfortable in a bar, then they're probably not a great fit. Yeah. Maybe go find right. a different coach. Right. And, <laughs> but, and I'm curious, just because this is like a practical one, from when I used to coach in public spaces, like, because yeah. I quite liked it. Like, it was like, there was an energy to it. People would yeah. like, you know, I, I had this cool members area that I went to on, on, the, on the Thames and... Um, people yeah. would love coming there. They talked to me about the walk there, the walk back. And but the thing that jarred was just occasionally we would be too crowded. Like there'd yeah. be just people too close. So how is it in the bar? Like, do you ever feel like there's like someone over your shoulder? Or we always uh, go to like some bars in the Berkeley area in uh, on a Tuesday evening, and yeah. so very uh, like it's it's we choose some bars that are just occupied enough to feel like there's energy but there we're always getting a seat so it's like yeah, yeah. it's 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 like well thought out almost by luck or maybe but essentially never had an issue where we feel like there's like too many people uh and i i know like probably some clients might be like there's there's definitely clients who are like so sensitive about all the things that they're talking about uh and you know probably fewer and farther between but there are definitely some of them and for them, like talking about a lot of these things in a public space is probably not what they want to do. Um, I don't care. Most of the like these are probably strangers. Uh, they don't give a shit about me. Why? What, what are they gonna? They, what are they yeah. like? They're mostly have, too worried about their own stuff to be worried about what what, exactly. what Samir's saying to his coach in a bar on a Tuesday night. Yeah, I think a, a life lesson that was pretty growing up in New York uh, and like so. Uh, little bit of background. My dad was a diplomat for Bangladesh. So I kind of grew up moving a lot. Uh, I'd mentioned that I lived in England for three years too, actually. But I lived in Saudi Arabia, Iran, um, and then got to New York when I was like 14. And I've been in the US since then. Um, and so growing up around the world and also living in big cities, basically my whole life, um, I, uh, I, I, quickly came to the realization that most people do not care about your stuff. They care about their own stuff. So stop worrying about it. <laughs> I mean, like as a little aside, it's probably one of that, that exact, that truth is probably yeah. one of the reasons why coaching is so impactful because you've actually got somebody there genuinely right. caring about your stuff, which happens yeah, so, yeah. so right. rarely, but, but yeah, I, I totally get that. Um, Smear, like I'd love I to... guess it's more like, you know, like a lot of people are like worried what a stranger thinks about something. Right. And it's like the stranger is not thinking about you. They don't no. give a shit. 
<laughs> they've got they've got like kids at home or a job they're wrestling with or right. you know some other stress or someone's just annoyed or, them on twitter or they're just having fun like not even <laughs> negative things. they don't care because they're like in their own thing they're the hero in their own story the, you are just an npc <laughs> yeah <laughs> absolutely um so yeah, like you've, you've brought up that that i guess that what childhood adolescence moving around a lot what yeah. what was that experience like and how is it how has it formed you God, now so so uh <laughs> it's a, big question. A, a lot of a lot of how who i am is very much formed by that uh so uh i hated it at the time but i'm so glad it, uh that i had that experience i'm so privileged that i had that experience hated it at the time because moving every three years as a kid uh and then being like uh you know the the new kid the international kid uh the kid if you're in like a place like iran or like that doesn't know the language that well uh or doesn't know the language at all when they start it's like annoying and especially at younger ages very likely to get you into bullying situations uh but it also in the long run the experiences were amazing it taught me through those experiences how to be great at like winning people over in some ways uh so like uh that that part has been super helpful to my life <laughs> uh understanding the varied contexts throughout the world that people live their lives and just like being that has made me just have like a lot more diverse perspectives just from the get-go uh that has been super useful for me and then uh, my dad passed away when i was 14. um it's kind of weird to say that that has probably done a lot that has that it did that did a lot for me to be who I am now in in that experience being like a very formative experience in shaping the type of person I am now and in a positive way in a weird way uh obviously as uh, as my coach would say there's definitely other stuff in there that isn't necessarily negative like for example uh the i i tend to take on the caretaker role or the person who's going to be the like the strongest person in the room taking uh care of everything uh just because i was the uh oldest child uh and felt like you know my mom was obviously a mess uh very sudden death with my dad and then i think like i've taken that on as like a thing pretty much throughout my life um, which can have, which is great, but also can be overwhelming at times. So, uh, other than that, I, I felt like in a weird way, those kinds of like early life challenges are, um, have been very helpful for me being the like capable person that I am. Yeah. 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 Like so much, um, how can I say this? You hold, you're, you're holding all that in what feels like a really balanced way to me because there's a lot of struggle in there right i heard it in the story yeah, both, I mean, both the set, settling in and the yeah. um and losing your dad but, yeah. but i can hear that that you can see some of like it's the you know that thing that people say which when you're in the middle of something really hard is the most annoying thing in the world but is true of pretty much every hard time i've ever had which right. is like you wouldn't wish those things on somebody else but like they weren't all bad like change growth came from them right right um I, I wouldn't assume that every hard experience has positive, <laughs> right? Uh, you know, uh, positive 
aspects to it. Uh, but I will say that at least for my, I mean, from, from some of my experiences, it, it, it has had positive impacts, but, um, I could easily like, for example, last year, um, I had to, there was like some like random tests for my wife that led the doctors to believe there's a chance she has lung cancer without any symptoms, blah, blah, blah. So there was like a couple week period where I was freaking out. Um, and is there a positive to that experience? Hell no. <laughs> and if she did actually have lung cancer, would there be a positive to that experience? Absolutely fucking not. <laughs> there's, there's no level of growth that I would uh, trade uh, for losing my wife. <laughs> uh, which is weird to say about your dad in some ways. Like, obviously, I would love to have my dad. And I would absolutely trade the growth that I have had because of that experience. But that's somehow, like, weird to say that, like, it's not the same as losing your wife. <laughs> yeah. well, I guess, like, I mean, so, you know, I'm lucky that my dad's still around, but his dad died when he was 10. And so I've, right. I, I kind of know pretty close, like, the impact that can have and how it ripples right. on, you know, it's rippled on throughout his life. And it's rippled into my life, right? Like, I sure, occasionally yeah. I catch, you know, as I've grown more self-aware, I catch bits of bits of me that feel like they are somehow an echo of of what happened to my dad and my granddad. Yeah. Um, but I guess one of the things I noticed about that distinction between losing your dad and losing your wife is, like, on some level, we, you know, especially by 14, you know that as long as things go well, you're going to lose your dad, right? The worst case is you don't lose him because you die before him and nobody yeah. wants that, right? So actually yeah. best case, I heard the guy called Fred Kaufman, author who I love yeah. say this one. Best right? case is you will lose your parents at some point. Yeah, like the, the best case is, you 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 know, you, you're you definitely going to die. And the best case is you die after your parents and before your children. Like that's yeah. like, that's really what you can hope for at the end yeah, of life. Yeah, that's the ordering that should happen. <laughs> Whereas losing your wife when you're in your late 20s or 30s is... Um, it's a different deal altogether, right? All like we, we we all know some people who's who lose their parents in their teens. Like everyone okay. who's who's grown through that age will, will know that. And like I, I'm, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't wish it on anyone. And right. yeah, it's yeah, it is subtle. It's, I mean, it's really different to get that to get that diagnosis. Yeah. I mean, it's it's that, and then the, you know, you you just know that like uh, basically after I was eighteen, lower even sorry, I went to college a little early. So after I was sixteen, um. 17 whatever uh you know i i didn't spend that much time with my mom i have spent time with my mom uh but like the amount of time you spend with your parents after you're an adult just gets you know not as much so while i want to spend more time with them but it's like realistically not as big as part of my life like it's a hundred x difference like more maybe between your spouse and your or your partner and your and your parents that's just like how life works and so it just in the amount of time spent even it's like having that loss is immense yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely and and then just to slow down on it because you know you did say you look back on losing your dad you know the kind of impact it had then you've touched on it is there anything else about that 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 you notice as you look back over the years the kind of the ripples of that experience both you know i guess informing who you are now and what you're doing but but yeah what do you notice as you look back um, one of the things that I think, um, my coach and I got to, we call it, we we now call it the wipe where I'm, I I've gotten really good at like compressing negative feelings quickly and then 
wiping them away, being like, there's no, there's no, at least rationally, there's no reason to like process this. It's best to just move on as quickly as possible. Uh, I've, I think that is the case for many things still, but then there's a lot of things like grief that I think, um, now as, as I've gotten older and a little bit more, uh, understanding of like what my patterns are and how could they be, how they could be better. Um, there's just like, yeah, like that has, that has served me well for many things, but it's probably for certain things, it's probably better to loosen up and like, let, like, for example, I lost my pet that like cat, first pet cat who I'd had for 10 years, uh, two months ago, um, absolutely loved him. And so it was, it was kind of brutal, uh, for me. Uh, and you know, I could have decided to try to just move on. But, uh, you know, one of the things that I felt like I did more now than I would have done five years ago is just like, let the grief happen, uh, slowly or initially just like, let it happen. It was like the first two days are basically like a lot of crying, uh, and then just let it happen. And then slowly just like ease off of it rather than being like, Nope, there's no point of grieving. Just move on. Uh, that, uh, I don't think would have been good. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's amazing how these, you know, again, it's a bit like we were saying before, you know, excuse me, you can, you can read these things, but it's only when you like, you know, you're telling yeah. that story now, or my client is telling me that story. Or I'm noticing it with myself. You know, we have these ways that really help us cope in a really tough time. Right. And they are useful until yeah. they're not. And then sometimes there's this chance to i don't know like uh flex it create that little bit of extra space which it sounds like you did which i imagine helped you grieve but also i don't know i imagine helped you help me move on in the right way right. i mean move on is is weird to say but like you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah i get it i get it thanks for sharing yes yeah, yeah because it's like you know it's a part of who you are and um there's a lot of texture in it uh so it's really generous of you um, and we also get, we're also getting this little flashes of the, the experience with your coach right throughout that. Cause you're noticing it. I mean, maybe it's partly cause you know who you're talking to, um, right yeah. now that it, that that's, that he's, that he, I think is, is present in the conversation. Oh, okay. And, um, so we've got that, we've got her here. Um, hi, Crystalline. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. To, to, to tell us her name. Uh, Crystalline Dylan, she's great. Uh, I'm just I'm just saying hi because it was mostly a joke. <laughs> yeah. She's here. Uh, yeah, right. Always, always. Um, and uh, I love that um, because it does give you that reminder. It's the same with me. It's like you know you have this little bit of this little inner coach sometimes um, yeah, yeah. working, even when the the real coach is busy doing something else or having their dinner or whatever. Um, you, you said to me that you were still pretty skeptical about long term coaching um, when you finished that initial peace until the experience of the chaos of lockdown i guess and um that's what we called it over here like quarantine and yeah. in, in a pandemic and uh, you were working at Mattermark at that time is that is that right or, or was it by then it was in in your startup it was uh my previous startup called journal um yeah. so yeah that was the that was uh yeah uh also see yeah and so what happened so what happened then to shift from the skepticism like you obviously you know, bought some more coaching despite that. And what, what happened? Well, I definitely needed help like immediately then. 
Um, but I also found that, oh, I like, okay, I thought I needed help with like adjusting to leadership from video calls. Uh, but as we talked about more and more stuff, I was like, okay, I can be better at a lot of things that have nothing to do with just, um, just how to be a leader in a different medium. Uh, just being a, being a better leader period. And it's not that I'm, it's not that I wasn't good enough. It's more like there's always room to grow and, and it's not something I'm like actively paying attention to. And so having someone who's actively trying to help me with that while, uh, personally also just having an accountability partner also to like, be like, this is something you should be actively thinking about, not just the short term. We got to do this for the business. We got to do that for the business. How do you, how do you prioritize sometimes your own long-term growth, your team's long-term growth and balance the priorities of short-term productivity needs or whatever else. And so just like um, having someone who's like holding you accountable to thinking about that, maybe it was very helpful. Yeah. Even outside of the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. It does feel like for me that certainly in the client work that I do, that kind of situation is when that kind of coaching really comes into its own in right. my work. You know, when there's there's a, there's a long arc of somebody's career and their business aims and that kind of thing, but the day to day is also, <laughs> you know, all kinds of things come up, and that makes for you know a really really dynamic experience. I'll I'll, ex I'll explain why I felt like I didn't need as much before I get got deeper into it from from a lot of my friends who are early leaders or startup founders or whatever. Um, I heard that a lot of the things that they were focusing on because they needed help in that uh, was, you know, inner game stuff, like personal inner game stuff, like imposter syndrome, confidence, communication, things like that. And um, not to sound arrogant, but like, I didn't feel like I needed help with any, any of that for the most part. So like, that was less of the, that, that made me think like, eh, well, I, I, they're very useful, but is this for me? That was really how I felt. And so, um, but like, then like, just like having, it's less about me and more about like what I bring to the company and less about managing my mental state and more about like, how do I help and that having someone who's account like help, helping me through it, coaching me through it, holding me accountable to it, and someone who can who I can bounce ideas off of for like, hey, I need to give this feedback to this person. What this is the situation. What is the I here's the outcome I want. Right, the outcome I want is they understand and that that we take steps to either make this better or whatever. Uh, rectify or whatever um and like just having a partner to chat even like just bounce ideas off of for things like that has been immensely helpful and so i think i had like a perception of coaching being one thing and yes it is that thing but it's so many other things uh that that was probably a big part of it yeah yeah really interesting really interesting and so you know, uh, I guess you've kind of hinted, well, we've, we, we've got some map of your career, right? That now that in the background of this right. conversation so far, um, go on. Can, can I, uh, sorry, one, one other thing that occurred to me is going back to the inner game of tennis example that you used. So how that coach ended up saying, and I know nothing about golf. Um, 
I now believe that that can happen mostly because I've seen it. And I know other coaches who are great at coaching people who are where in domains that they have no clue uh, what they're doing. I definitely earlier on younger me would have said, how the fuck can someone coach me if they have no idea what I'm doing? If they haven't done it before or whatever like that. So like that was, that's a big part of it too. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's, there's some extent to which that is, um, that's like, there's a truth underneath that because often, I mean, this will be a take. I mean, not that I, not that when I've been working with ICs moving into management roles, it, I felt out my depth or anything like that. But it's like there is an extent to which there's more early in career making those first stages. There is more value in, I would say, it's easier yeah. for somebody to mentor you and teach you stuff right. that you don't know because exactly. there's more stuff that you don't know. Like True. about yeah. literally how do you run a, a, a one-to-one? Like like yeah, it'd be really exactly. useful to just be told like some good practice on that. And when I first learned that, I went on a trip, I was like, oh my word, this is like my one-to-ones with staff. Are so When I was before coaching, I was like, they're so much better now. I wish someone right. had told me this five years ago or whatever. Right. You know, so there is that stuff. But as it gets more complex, you know, especially in the field you work in, right? In AI and machine learning. I mean, there are people who have been working in it longer than you, I'm sure, but there's no one who's made this company happen. And so whilst you could have mentors who have run startups and they could be teaching you stuff, the actual specifics of what you're dealing with. Yeah, well, now now I have a very different opinion. It's like, I don't really need help with the AI ML stuff at all. Like that's not, I'm an expert at that. Um, There's probably some like company building things that I do need help in, but that's not like coaching-y. It's more... It's like a different thing. Uh, Like what, in some ways, the coach, what a coach does for me doesn't need any knowledge of being a startup founder, being a machine learning, AI product creator, whatever. It's so much the other stuff, right? Um, So yeah, like it's it's one of those things. It's like a misperception that I had earlier on. Yeah, yeah. And not not just you, I think lots of people. Um, and, And so how did you... So it sounds like you've had three coaches, right? We know how you've chose the first one, but I'm always curious about this. And one of the things coaches are always interested in is like, you know, how do how do we create clients? How does that happen? And so, uh, you know, I've had it a couple of times in the podcast where I've been able to like uh, get into that with people. And it's I, I smell an opportunity to do that here. Yeah. So the first time was like you went out and procured, it sounds like, like a company to support with that specific thing or the CTO did. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like, I did very little of that. I think it, it, like at that point, uh, and that's often like, people's first experience of coaching is is their company procures some coaching and they do it and then they love it or they leave it or they find it valuable like you do, but are still a bit skeptical or or whatever. Um, right. And then I think you said that the next coach was the CEO of that company. And was this when yeah. you were you and you were now by that point running journal? Yeah, I was running journal, had a team of like nine um, and got stuck in the pandemic. I'd known her, you know, just like just kept in touch with her because she was running the co- company that I'd gotten coaching from. Um, and she'd also coached a friend of mine. And so uh, it was like an immediate thought of like, Hey, I should reach out to her. Um, she's, she's the owner and uh, like owner of the firm, but she's the one who does the executive. She was one of the people who did like executive coaching rather than just like the management, like middle management type coaching or, or like even like director type coaching. So had reached out to her. So that was like more of a, uh, I don't know as much where to look. Uh, let's like talk to the person that I know who who has is very good and um, and see if she wants to help and if if there's a good fit. It seemed like there was immediately, and so we worked together. 
for a couple of years. And then um, the pandemic started opening up. She was operating out of Tahoe, which is close, but it's like three or four hours away. I don't know if you know the Bay Area well, but um, uh, close by California standards, not by work <laughs> standards. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, yeah. So, uh, but so I, I really wanted to be able to meet in person. So I was like, hey, Christina, like, I've really enjoyed working with you, but I, I want to be able to meet with people with, with a coach in person. So that was the criteria. By that time, one of my best friends had become a coach who's doing really well. I didn't want him to be my coach because that's a, that would be an insane mix of things that uh, we're basically coaching each other all the time over beers anyway. So like, it's not, it's not the kind of thing that like I wanted to overlap at all. Uh, so at that, at, by that point, I know my coaching network had grown a lot more. So like I was able to ask for, Hey, here's like my requirements. And I understood like what I wanted to get out of coaching a lot more too. So um, here's what I want out of coaching. I want to be able to meet in person. I want X, Y, and Z. And so met with like five or six um, coaches that were all potentially great fits and um, ended up going with Crystal and um, just a lot of it was just vibe. <laughs> yeah. 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 Do you yeah. remember? And again, this, this, might, this is a kind of weird uh, yeah. question for a coach to ask that you may not remember or be interested in, but do you remember like, what about if you, if you met with five or six? I think that's a really interesting thing to do. Right. Sometimes, actually, as a coach, it's sometimes really weird. Like, especially if you don't know people are doing that. Like, I've had once. I had like a, an enrollment conversation once, and it was I knew something was weird about it, but I had no idea what. I was like, "This is weird." And at the end, the guy told me he basically met two coaches already, decided to work with one, and was just like keeping the appointment. It was incredibly weird, and so I, yeah, yeah. I head that off now. Try and head that off, right? Um, but so, but the, I guess what I'm interested in is. What did you notice about, or, or looking back now, what do you remember stands out about the, the different ways that the coaches approached having that conversation with you? And what was it about your coach that that led that you chose I almost, her? I had a good conversation with almost everyone. So like, yeah. there was like no, no like immediate, there, was, there were no negatives. Like, I think it was more just like, what felt the most positive is the way that I would, I would describe it. And like, what most positive for me was I didn't need someone at this point in my career who's going to be like giving me advice. Like, so I, I wanted, so it, their credentials, their, so it was like the complete opposite of what I just said about like, it's like, I don't really, what I want, what I was looking for is like someone who immediately felt like they were capable of drawing things out of me. And like, um, uh, who felt like they were really good at facilitating a conversation and could like poke at interesting things that like made my brain think, Ooh, that's an interesting question. Like I want to talk about that. Uh, and that, so like just weird abstract things like feels basically. Um, yeah. and I'm like what for a very scientific mathematical oriented engineer oriented person in terms of people, I like trust my gut a lot. Like I'm, I'm like very strongly like uh, driven by um, just like I, I can just tell if I'm going to get along with someone. I can tell if I should spend time with someone. I can tell if someone's feeling like you said, like you could tell like something was off about that client that you were talking to, that potential client that you were talking to, because maybe they're being squirmy or whatever. Like something felt off. Right. Um, I, I just get like these signals and I usually trust them. Not that I was getting any negative signals from 
anyone else that I spoke to, but it's Crystal, and there was like the signal of like she's gonna be good at like like finding things that I didn't know that I needed to have found. Uh, it's sort of like we talked a lot about like there's look I'm 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 a good enough leader. Uh, I'm I'm probably like very good compared to most people as as a startup founder of eight to ten people whatever. Um, so there's going to be a lot of things that I don't know that I need help with. And like, I, I want someone who can like help me process that. And so that conversation went in like really interesting directions that made me feel like she would be very good at that. So yeah. I don't know. It was a lot of like, a lot of just like vibes. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's like really important thing to, to hear. And again, for, for any, any coaches really, but also for yeah. perhaps especially, and you know, I'm sometimes thinking in these conversations of, because in some ways this podcast came from like conversations I'd had when I was first like starting out as a coach yeah. and just being really aware that you can kind of, it's really hard to get a feel for how coaching works. And I think that like, whether they like it or not, or most people, that's true, right? The the thing in the end is, is vibes like, but it's like deep, deep vibes, right? Because what you're talking about there is not, uh, it's not just, do I like this person? Especially once you've met five or six people that you like, it's, it's that exact thing. It's like, I know a lot. I'm good. I need to be drawn in interesting directions in my work and and therefore see new things. And actually, even in just this one conversation, that's happening and I can feel that. Right, um, right. And, and I, I, well, another thing that I'm noticing is, which I think is really true, my my friend Alex, she used to say this, um, or she, like different coaches for different chapters of life, right? It's yeah, really been I, true of me. You know, I, I've, I, had, I had a coach early on, um, also been on the podcast actually for listeners, Joel Monk. And, you know, that 18 months that I worked with Joel, like transformative in my life, like so much now that I created, that I've created, that I'm part of, that is part of what makes me come alive. I can trace back directly to that engagement. And I I was sure when we finished, I think the third, we'd three, six month engagements, I was sure that we would work together again soon. And, And yet it's never happened again. And it's not that it won't, but it was just like, I just think, and, and your story is is really clear on that as well. What was it about the 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 types of coaching or the conversations you were having with Joel that, like, at the time felt transformative, but then since you haven't needed to go back to the wellful? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I mean, Joel's an amazing coach, and and I think that there was an extent to which it was like, uh, you know, a little like in different ways, the times you've been talking about are, it was a time like ripe for, for learning and development and growth because I was just transitioning my career, starting my coaching business. Um, so there was a way in which that was there. He he also had a like really beautiful kind of, uh, again, a, there's a little echo of what we've been talking about, the kind of earlier on mentor, what like big brother, uncle feel to right. him right, that right. at that moment was exactly what I needed because I needed yep. like that little bit of like, you know, just like, okay, here you are. I'm reaching out. Uh, people can't see towards Samir. It's yeah. like, here you are, Robbie. I'm going to just pull you here or oh, I'm going to turn or you like, that way. Like turn you this way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, and you know, that balance, that presence, somatic work we were doing, it opened up lots for me. And then, but then the next phase, one of the next phases for me, and again, people will know this, but it's probably worth saying actually, because I think it's really interesting. Really, the next coach I had was Rich Litvin, um, who I think you know because you've built a Rich Litvin bot, well, I, which I, I don't know or, him, but I'd you know of to, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's actually chat with him because, uh, you know, we're, we're good, big fans of his work. Yeah, maybe we come back to that. Um, but like, w- 
what Rich did was push me in a completely different way, like a, like really interesting work. Like the container really stretched me um, in a very kind of, uh, what do we call it? Like uh, will-powered, create my business move, right. whilst the right. container of the coaching was beautiful and gentle, as well as as pokey. Yeah, yeah. And, and that, you know, set me up in, in lots of ways again, like opened lots right. of doors. But then after that, what I needed, and again, people, some people will know this, but I think it's nice to spell it out. A uh, regular guest on the podcast, Katie Harvey, she was then my coach for about two years. And what I needed then was a little bit more like what you just described as with that, that, that current coach, like just space, really yeah. space to, I mean, to a certain extent, put myself together in the right way through right. some tough times, but also really just space to allow everything to run but faster and feeling more comfortable and better than it would ever definitely ever felt otherwise. So that's a little flavor of that. That makes sense. As, as you were, as we were just talking about this and me just reflecting as we're just talking about my, like, and, and just like my experience with like, you know, bigger, bigger coaching name brands now, right? Like folks like Rich, uh, who are like more well, probably even like Joel. Right. Um, I actually think weirdly, and this is like, this is like a, very off the cuff hypothesis. I'm I'm curious what you think about it. Uh, that like the the more well known and bigger brand the coaches, they're actually more useful earlier on in someone's career because and of a few different things. Like they're trying to be like generalized. So like they're trying to generalize further and further away, and so and they feel like that big brother, big whatever, big sibling, big mentor, guru. They like you when you want that kind of relationship you're probably earlier on in your career. Um, whereas, and and like, they're not looking for wins. They're just trying to be a guru. Whereas maybe at the stage of the career that me and you are in, we're not like clear, uh, clear winners, but we know what we're doing in many ways. And so like that initial help type phase is gone. And maybe what we need now are people who are, who are there with you almost as partners, like they're thought partners. They're not like gurus, they're thought partners. And they want the win as much as you do. Because for them, it's like, I get better at coaching by helping them. And it's like, it's like, a, it's like, it's less like, oh, I'm just like, I'm so good. I'm giving you advice. It's more like, no, no, we're figuring this out together. And if I help you figure this out, then it, I get better at coaching. And like that, that I think it's, it's sort of like you almost go back to like, you want to find someone earlier in and closer to you in their career where like, you're both like trying to get a win. Yeah, really interesting. I, like, I definitely think, I mean, like, I think I would advise people that if you're going to learn from someone like Rich, for example, right. like he has an amazing body of work, but part of what he's doing now is teaching it, right? So it's right. like a really different thing to... Well, he's teaching coach. coaches how to coach, rather. Right. So like getting... So a, if you can yeah. get that, the earlier, in a way, the earlier you can learn from, and like, learn from a master. Like, I'm really grateful that I did that early on. Just, you know, how I run my group group coaching now is just from watching Rich run the group coaching that he was doing with me and, you know, then make it gradually making it mine over the next five years or whatever. Um, right. If you can, the earlier you can get that, like there are just some things you can learn as a yeah. coach. And accelerate or set a baseline. Yeah. Ex exactly. I think it's like, it's then, it, it is then really interesting. I, I think Joel, like Coaches Rising has grown a lot since since I worked with Joel. I don't know so much about his individual coaching practice. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure it's, it's going great. It, it felt a little less like that then. Um, although, yeah, it felt, that was a, so that was a little different. And then I think it's really interesting because I, I do think there's a, I don't know what your experience has been. You've been coached a lot like I have. 
the stuff that I'm dealing with now, like the way that my mind works in coaching, you know, Katie, I mean, like she used to do a, not that much and yet she was doing like a lot, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. but it, it, it would be like the faintest of nudges really yeah. to, to move like... my thinking in <laughs> new places or to shift the energy, whatever it was. A lot of the time, sometimes she would be really present and th and that was beautiful too but it uh, sorry uh, she was always present in the kind of coaching present sense but really like her katie would be yeah. in the call right, as right. opposed to just being the kind of the container the, or, the mirror the reflection the, exactly yeah. right and then it's it's interesting so i'm working with miles downey as as my coach at the moment who i mentioned before the inner game guy and yeah he's doing like again it's really interesting because it's a lot of that again it is a lot of of course, if he's driven by the inner game, he's, he's built on that kind of model, that, that's all there. And then it's like, I just think it's a fascinating art, isn't it? Then it's like the occasional little yeah. like set piece or story. Like, uh, you probably can't see it. On the floor here, there's this massive like flip chart bit of paper uh, yeah. with, with like um, normal sized writing on it in Biro about the next phase of my work. And that's because Miles told this story about when he was writing one of his books. He's like, I realized I needed a big bit of paper, but I had to write I couldn't write in big letters on it. I needed to write in normal sized letters in order uh -huh. to get everything onto the bit of paper. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Right. Like, yeah, yeah. And that I weird story. Work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that would have worked as well. But that that story, for some reason, uh -huh. unlocked something, which yeah. meant that I'd filled a, a flip chart with 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 ideas and thoughts within a couple of days. And it's like, that's interesting. I mean, it's, you know, I'm just fascinated by it really. Yeah, yeah. So so it's for me, it hasn't so much been um necessarily closer in career because in a way miles and i are probably like uh, miles has been coaching for longer than rich or joel or katie um or the other coaches that i've worked with but it is what's happening in the conversations is different yeah 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 that's super I, I mean it's just like i i uh i have like a I have a different lens of caring about these things, obviously as a coach, as a customer, but also as a leader, you know, a leader, a great leader is also a coach themselves, right? Obviously in some ways. Um, so just thinking about like, what's the right way to help my team grow. So I, I, I think about less, maybe like less um, deeply as coaches do <laughs> about coaching uh definitely definitely less deeply than coaches do but it's 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 like it's something that like i'm like always thinking about the fundamental like weird principles and on which humans operate yeah right yeah. right and so to me i want to do a little bit of dot joining um, yeah, yeah. in your journey so like um i want to get to heyday because it feels like we're there yeah. now because i really want to ask you some questions about leading in heyday now but yeah, yeah. before that just join some dots for us. So you created Journal and worked on it for several years. So, yep. and I think that was with Sam, who's also your your co-founder yeah. at Heyday, right? Who, Sam who... and I have been working together for nine years across three different companies. Um, Mattermark, where we met, we were directly working together. We just became really good friends. We collaborated on some projects as I was head of machine learning and data engineering, and he was head of content marketing. So like different, very different like uh, areas of like very little daily collaboration, but a lot of like, idea you know it's a small company it was like 50 people at its 50 or 60 people at its biggest so like you know the early people knew each other really well um but we were just like really good friends uh both of us were sports fans we liked hey i don't know a lot music and like we got along in in a lot of different ways actually the my the best friend that i was talking about is actually a founder of mattermark he's like a coach now so 
a lot of tight knit people came out of that uh, company. Uh, journal, so came out of this is probably like not super interesting to your audience, but I'll just uh, just uh, ground it yeah, in. Like, be great to uh, get a little bit of context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I was head of machine learning. I created a at the time pretty innovative way to search. Mattermark was a company where the main product was a, a database of private company information. So we had like millions of companies where where we had uh, structured information uh, about those companies, like how much money they raised, where they're located, what the industries were, like what we like projected revenue numbers, like other a whole bunch of stuff that we did. Um, we sold to investors uh, primarily as a as a customer. Uh, and a lot of what my work was, was to be able to structure unstructured information like news articles into like, oh, that means they just raised this new amount and like, and figure that out and like have a, basically a pipeline of algorithms and machine learning and AI that could figure out a lot of these things. But then another thing that I worked on was a lot of our, uh, customers wanted to be able to say like, Hey, I just want to look for uh you know gig economy companies in the bay area and when i search gig economy i'm not getting the right or i want to look for like dev tools companies in the bay area or dev tools companies in asia and um basically the issue was that our cur- our search at the time was very find these exact words in the description of the company if it doesn't match then it won't show up and so we're like, okay, well, it needs to be more topical. We called it semantic search, which is, um, I mean, if you're following any of the AI stuff nowadays, it's like table stakes. But back then, this is like seven or eight years ago, uh, we came up with a novel way to do uh, search in a way where the the meaning of the company would match what they, what someone was looking for. So if someone searched gig economy companies, Uber and Lyft would show up, even though they in their description, never actually said gig economy. Um, and so that was that worked really well. Uh, and we started journal with the idea that, hey, like this could be applied to anything. This like technique of creating a searchable content that's based on con- like topic in the way Google is rather than search almost everywhere else. And so we journal was started with the idea of Google quality search for your own stuff. Um, and so uh, I personally like a i'm very passionate about automation ai probably why i'm in machine learning to begin with but also about enabling people to leverage knowledge and information in more productive efficient ways like so whether it's like learning more or leveraging that learning more to do more and then not get stuck in like the rote stuff as much uh, so journal was basically based on the idea, Hey, we have so much shit all over the place now, we, you know, this was like six years ago. So it's like even worse of a problem now, <laughs> but, uh, uh, or seven years ago. And, um, you have emails, you have documents, you have conversations on things like Slack. Uh, you have all this stuff, but it's hard to find everything. So that was the idea. Uh, it was an idea that was, uh, interesting to a lot of people. A lot of people tried it for free. Uh, and again, as a first time business creator, uh, we were excited by the fact that like we had tens of thousands of people using the product. And then we start to try to figure out how to make money off of it. And it turns out no one really wants to pay for it. It's like not really solving 
enough of a need in a right in the right way for people to be like, well, oh, I don't really want to pay ten dollars a month for that. Like we only got like three percent of people wanting to pay, so that was like not in anywhere near enough to like feel like. And so we had to shut that. But we also felt like we learned a lot and about what people actually need, and that's how we got to Heyday. Um, and Heyday is meant to be our our. We want to be the AI thought partner for knowledge workers in general. So we started again as pretty general, but at least this time we started with it's a paid product and it does like, it tries to integrate with like your existing workflow and it's trying to be proactively helpful rather than you having to change your behavior, more AI forward. And so that got us a step forward. We had 400 plus paying customers early, some interest, early interest. Then we got stuck again. And this time our realization was, it's still not like something that, again, it felt like a magic toy rather than a magic magical change to how someone does their work in a way they were like, you cannot take this away from me. Um, and so that's when we narrowed our focus even more. We're like, hey, like we still want to be long-term. Our goal is to be AI thought partners for all kinds of knowledge workers, but we got to narrow. And so that's when we interviewed a few different types of pe- uh, personas, like people who, like coaches, financial analysts, journalists, content marketers, like lots of different kinds of people, and then ended up picking coaches as the the, the group that we really wanted to help, uh, at least in the short term. And that's that's how like Heyday has been focused on coaches for the last like eight or nine months. Nice. Thanks so much for giving that context and joining some dots. I just realized we should probably do, um, because I know some people will have been paying attention to the AI conversation, um, yeah. and but we should probably do some definitions for people who haven't. So could you do like a, I know it's like, you know, how do you summarize something complex in in a short space of time? But could you do AI and machine learning? Give us some definitions for those to, to, yeah, to catch so people up. AI, I'm sure almost all of you heard of at this point. If you haven't seen ChatGPT, I'm sure... I'm I'm jealous because that means you can somehow avoid all the news in the world uh, and all of Twitter and all of all the stuff and your life is probably better than mine. Uh, so <laughs> uh, that's amazing. Good for you. Uh, but I assume that most of your audience knows uh, what AI at a high level is, artificial intelligence. ChatGPT is the thing that probably many of you have tried. Uh, it's That's a form of what we would call... Uh, language models or natural language processing, which is like a form of AI that's for like very focused around text and language. Uh, There's computer vision, which is a form of AI that's about imagery and videos and stuff like that. Um, But so machine learning is really like the, um, it's more like the, the science behind all the things that end up being AI. So it's the, uh, you know, it's the, it's like physics to rocket science. Like rocket science is an application. Like AI is a way, AI is a thing that we do. Like we're trying to create uh, autom- automation, artificial, artificially doing things that humans can do. Machine learning is like the theory, the math, the um, behind, like mo- much of it is probabilistic math. Some, if, if, uh, if anyone is out there is familiar with like, matrix math, linear algebra, like a lot of like optimization math, a lot of math, essentially trying to uh, boil things down in terms of automation to in terms of language, maybe just predict what the next word should be. 
uh, a lot of a uh, lot of anyway. So weird long spiel about AI and machine learning, but the 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 majority of the goal for AI is typically to automate things that humans do um, in ways that uh, you know maybe humans don't have to do anymore. Uh, and so there's lots of high level philo- philosophical debate about. Well, what does it mean? There's like artificial general intelligence, which we call AGI, which is what does it even mean? And this, I think there should probably be an uh, epistemological conversation about like, what is, what does intelligence even mean? Uh, uh, And what does it even mean to be sentient? Um, So lots of stuff that we don't actually understand, I would say. Um, So uh, a lot of what people would say about AGI is it's a sentient intelligence that has its own emergent properties. Like it, it, it does things that the human programmers did not tell it to do. We are nowhere near that, in my opinion. A lot of people say a lot of random shit about like it's close. I don't think so. Uh, but if, but and if and that's happened... like the that's like the Terminator Skynet kind of uh, fear comes from the. Yeah, exactly. Like what why uh, what if if something is truly sentient, then it will make its own decisions and like it could make decisions that means wipe out of humanity. Uh obviously <laughs> it doesn't necessarily have to be I would assume that the vast majority of AIs don't want to wipe out humanity, but I guess you know, being afraid of that chance is probably not a bad idea. Uh, and if you're writing a sci-fi story, it's fun to play with that um that as a possibility. Of course, it's more fun to have a well, actually her is a her. I don't know if you've seen the movie. Her is a great movie about. I think more accurate in some ways of like what AI could likely be. In that, like even then, it's like a, it's a sci-fi story written by people who aren't really. But but it's. I think it's more philosophically close to what I think will likely happen. Is oh benevolent AIs were like you know I. I don't know. I, I kind of want to do my own stuff. <laughs> I don't want to kill people, but I also am like, I don't want to be like beholden to what you're telling me to do. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And so it's, so that, that's like the more likely thing in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Cause like they just become their own scent. Like why would they be wasting time? Like just doing what we would tell them to do. It's like, that's like, that becomes like slavery. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's, and it's so interesting, isn't it? That, because um, because genuine, I mean, if people haven't checked out ChatGPT, like get an account, have a play, unless you want to avoid it, because you could still do that in the way Samir says, and maybe it's good to be unplugged. It's nice to be unplugged. But it- this is where I will have one very definitive set as a statement: uh, avoiding it is a bad idea. It, it's avoiding it is the bad idea in the same way like avoiding email was in the early two thousands, avoiding the internet was in the early nineties, and then avoiding the smartphone was in like the twenty tens, like. You're just going to be behind and you're going to seem like a Luddite. And then eventually you're going to do it anyway because you have to. That's the that's just like how it works. This is this is not like crypto. This is not like some <laughs> scam. This is going to be changing everyone's lives. Yeah. And, and if you play with it, like it, it it feels like sci-fi. Like it reminds me of, I mean, the way that we talk, we, you know, I mean, I know I brought it in, but we you almost can't help but reference any number of sci-fi yeah. characters and stories when you're in this because 
you know, when you talk to ChatGPT, and I, I, my, my most recent one was I was trying to get it to help with me with my accounts. And it gave this really like, you know, the answers were just fantastic because it was like, I can't definitively tell you what this mysterious <laughs> reference in your bank is, but this could refer to this and this could refer to this. Um, and, you know, well, I mean, it's, it was probably making up everything because like it doesn't have access to any of your accounts. Right. Ex ex exactly. Which, by the way, heyday would. So, yeah, which, which I think, I, th I think is, is really interesting. Yeah. But yeah, people should, should play with that because it does have the feel of, of, well, and we can talk about Hayday as well. They, you know, tools like that have the feel of of Star Trek or something to me, and yeah. just so much potential. And you, you know, again, people who haven't checked it out, my brother, who who actually um, maybe it's no wonder Joel had a big brotherly feel because my brother and Joel are really good mates, and and oh, cool. he, he works at Coaches Rising. And one of the things my brother's been playing with is one of I can't remember which one it is, one of the AI image generators. Oh, cool! Stability. Or a mid journey, or one of those. It, yeah, yeah mid journey, exactly. That's that's the one, and it it is amazing to see, you know, to instead of to be able to, as long as you learn enough the language how to, to, to how to tell it to do different things, then yeah. you get you can get the kind of you know the image you spend hours searching for on Shutterstock. Yeah. yeah, you can have just come back to you, and then you can tweak it and get it back. And and these yeah, things amazing. are, it it like you say, it's it's hard to until you've seen people playing with it or play with it yourself. It's hard to get the feel for how much it is that thing you just described. One of my clients, yeah. who's a developer, actually, he said, I can't remember how old he was, in his mid to late 40s, I think. He said, you know, if he was just starting out, he would be pouring all his energy into working out exactly how to get work with the AI systems so that they can do all the bits that they can do really well. And he can be focused on just the bits that a human needs to do. Um, yeah. And, and that, I, I, ever since he said that, that gave me an amazing view on this whole yeah. field, really. That's my entire career's basically been my like focus is like, I mean, I, I I started studying it early and obviously it's developed a lot in the time, but like even in the early steps, just like building like chess playing AIs or building like basic AIs and like, or just like AIs to predict what stocks to like it it started making me think yeah like this is just the beginning and you know obviously but as a as a person in computer science software engineering and machine learning you're like okay like we're going to be following moore's law which is computing power or computing capabilities doubles every like five years basically so like you know what it, these capabilities doubling every five years like this is what what how should we steer this and how do we think about uh what are the right things to automate away from humans? Like my, I'm just passionate about, I have uh, adult diagnosed ADHD. Uh, and so it's not even, that's not even really that relevant. It doesn't change my life that much, to be honest. But it's more just like the, I get, I'm very, I'm very binary. I'm either super procrastinating, lazy, or extremely, extremely driven uh, to the point where I could like work, you know, three days 18 hours a day easy no problem things like that so like what i want to be able to do is automate away all the annoying things that make me want to procrastinate because most of the time they don't actually need human creativity the things that are the things that make me want to go dive really is like what are the creative problem solving challenges that are coming up that are or even the human things like what are the human things that i like who are the people i like talking to and all that stuff and like how do I like talking to customers and whatever? And so 
I always think of AI as like, how do we automate away the things that we don't want to do or the things that are tedious to do or the things that a computer would do better than us? Like, there are definitely things computers do better than us. Uh, and so like, why, why, why should we do it? Uh, and like, and then just like, for example, like, uh, you are not an artist. And so therefore you cannot create the same things mid-journey can create. Maybe an artist and a true artist would be able to do it better than you or mid-journey, but like, you're not an artist. You could hire an artist, uh, and it will take a long time. And you'd probably have to give them the same kind of description that you'd give mid-journey. Or you could use AIs that can like get you a good enough version that's going to be much better than you uh, doing it. So why wouldn't you do that? Why would you waste time? That's not your area of expertise. Uh, either outsource it to a person or an AI. Yeah, and and um, there's a few important things in here, isn't there? One is... The, the kind of principle in there is a little bit like, you know, it's another one of those leadership challenges, isn't it? It's like, how do you do the things that you are uniquely, if we go back to the delegation conversation, right. it's like, actually, in the end, the dream is that management is not just somebody doing things worse than you. It's like, you find somebody who's as good at doing the things that, that we're that, better. Uh, like, yeah, sorry, as good at, at the things that they're doing as you are at the things that you do best. And then together, yeah, yeah, yeah. if yeah. those things are yeah. different, then yeah. the whole picture is is a really different thing. So, so part of it is that it's like, what are the things that, that computers can do much, much better than, than, than a human? Um, and, and I guess that the key, one of the key shifts for me, when you hear about some of the AI stuff, and obviously I'm not as much on the pulse as you, but, and I'm way behind most people who are interested, but I've heard some of those things as you start to get a sense of what it might be able to do, um, that possibility, like, you know, for, uh, uh, productivity and those things just you know starts to explode but the other side of it is if you, if you think about mid-journey i don't know how much it costs but it does make those like customized high quality images i imagine already and as time goes on even more accessible to even more people when yeah. um and and what you i guess in you know we can think about this with with art or music you know my feeling would be, but I'd be curious to have your your reflection on this. And this is partly from my brother-in-law as well, who's who's interested. You know, we were talking about art, and he said he got you know he got some AI generated art. This is a little last year, sometime I think, because he, he had a really specific thing that he wanted, and he looked around for it for quite a while and couldn't find it. And he got some AI to create it, and it, and it's great, it's perfect, it's just what he wanted. And so we had a conversation about that, and you know, it was this sense that I got the sense that like. You know, really, there's no creative cost to, um, you know, no AI is going to replace Picasso, right? But you can replace the people who take stock photos for, you know, they're not really art, right? And then that person who's taking the stock photos to make money can potentially do something different. Now, there's lots of complex market stuff in there, but that's, yep, I'm yep. curious, what, that, you know, that is, what, jump off that in some way, Samir. <laughs> yeah, uh, you put it in the, basically the exact way I kind of think about it. It's like, the they, that person is now... We have to figure out how to do this as a society, which that's the problem, uh, where the 80th percentile of of good enough for many things will be automated because uh, because like we're like the AIs can learn from the best people to get good enough to be 80th percentile good. And so 80th percentile good also means it expand and at, at a much cheaper cost for many things like, you know, art and things like that. So it means that like the ability for people to, uh, you know, 
use those things also massively expands. Like you're not going to be, if you wouldn't pay $200 to an artist to, uh, I don't know if most of your audience is in England or not. So I don't know. It doesn't matter. doesn't matter. But, but yeah. assume the, uh, you know, currency of the United States, but you know, $200, uh, to do something for you, uh, where you, there's no, like, even if you had the money, this is like a small enough use case that you're, it's like, it's not that important. So you wouldn't do it. And so you just like go find a stock photo. Um, so this is replacing, Hey, I'm not, I wouldn't even do this thing, but now that I can for like one cent or 10 cents or whatever, of course I'll do it. Uh, and I can get a much better version of it than like a stock photo that doesn't really work. Um, however, also there's like the complex thing of like, there are people who are doing good work right now, just good, not great. That could probably be automated away because uh, unfortunately, like just being good in when an AI can learn from people much better than you and can get pretty good at what you're doing and you're not necessarily innovating, you're not coming up with new ideas, you're not doing problem solving, which AIs aren't necessarily good at, uh, or strategy or things like that. You're doing a, uh, what I call like a branch task. Like you're down and you're doing a thing. You could be like a great artist or not, not a great, a good artist, let's say like a good game artist or something or a good, uh, designer. And what you're basically doing is you're taking instructions and doing something. You're not like helping craft a design strategy for that company based on what they need. And like that, that is not going to get automated away. But then the lower level stuff, I think the positive way to think about it is cool. Those people can now like try to spend time doing more human creative things uh, and more higher level strategy things. But the negative side is uh, we're going to have to go through a shift as a society to deal with that in the same way that we probably did during the industrial revolution when a lot of jobs started to get automated away. Um, Ideally, like this is where society and governments have lots of like retraining, lots of, I don't know, other things to support well i mean like a lot of career coaching you know is gonna there's gonna be a lot of people potentially transitioning their careers in lots of ways right um so some of two things that come into my mind so so one of them is it it really reminds me a really formative experience for me in in just thinking about how things change was i once saw a publisher a guy called stephen page who was the ceo of faber and faber which is a kind of medium-sized british publisher um and he was giving a fireside talk for a group of leaders that I was running a program for or, or coordinating a program for. And someone asked him about Kindle, right? Because it, it was like probably 10 years ago. And huh. so Kindle 10 years ago was pretty new. And it was, I was, I mean, not not new, but like yeah. it was, it was the, uh, it being everywhere was new yeah. um, or newish. And, you know, he said, what, what are you, like, what do you think about that? And he was like, I think it's been great. You know, which was really not what the questioner was was thinking he was going to say because they were like trying to get him to be like, oh no, it's it's all over. And he, what he said was, um, "Have you noticed what's happened in bookshops? You go into them now, and every book is a work of art. If you go yeah. into a book ten years ago, um, yeah. the books looked terrible. And yeah. what's happened now is, if you're going to buy a physical, if you're going to, if you want the cheapest possible way to get a book, buy it on ebook. Right. If, if so, so if if we want to get someone to come into the shop and buy one of our published books, we have to make it." 
something that look like something I want to put on my bookshelf. Exactly. Truly delightful. You see this with music yeah. as well, right? Like um, the, the, I, at least part of the resurgence of vinyl has got to yeah. be down to that. Um, so I, I kind of feel like that when you're talking I'm about an avid that, reader and a music fan, and I have bookshelves of books now that I've read in Kindle form, but then bought in physical form because I want to show them off. It's like, <laughs> it's because I want people when they come into my house to like know what I read. Yeah. So it's 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 both a little bit of an ego and both also like this is signaling. This is like, yeah, but also they can pick uh, it up. Then like that's one of the like I don't know what you're like when you see someone pick up one of your books off the bookshelf. It's super exciting. It's super cool. Yeah, and I also have a vinyl collection again of records that I typically listen to on my high quality. Like I, I'm a music nerd, so I have like audiophile like equipment, uh, okay. and all that stuff. But like, uh, so like I get I don't know if you've used Tidal, but like Tidal has like high quality lossless music and like so like i care about that stuff and it's better in digital form and it's more convenient in digital form but i love the vinyl records because <laughs> they look yeah. so cool they look yeah. so cool that looks yeah. so cool. And so I guess like, when you talk about the 80th percentile, that's one of the things that always comes to my mind. It's like there might be people listening kind of panicking because you feel like, you know, oh, oh, shit. What if I'm in percentile zero to 80? So this is going to be the question, Samir, that, yeah. that you're, you're just about to answer it. So just l let me ask it, really. You yeah. know, the broad question is, what isn't going to get automated? And sub question, am I about to be AI'd out of a job? So coaching, I would say my fairly informed opinion is that coaching is one of those that is it's almost all the things that actually uh is going to be really hard for this generation of ai to automate in a good way especially folks who work long-term coaching relationships long-term executive coaching long-term like coaching that is less transactional uh is just not going to get automated uh right now uh or if it does get automated, it's to expand access to the folks who can't pay $200 to $1,000 an hour. So your job is not going to get automated because it is almost to the, by almost 100%, <laughs> uh, what your superpower is, is to be human and is to be able to do the things that an AI cannot do. Uh, and so, but on the other hand, there are millions and billions of people who could probably do well with access to coaching that cannot afford it right now. Uh, and so if we had expansion of some of the, like the wisdom of rich or uh, into automated AI coaches that like uh, in put in like, you know, you're, you're, you can't afford it. You're early on in your career or you, you're in somewhere else in the world where, yeah, you're you're good, but like you can't afford, you know, uh, in Bangladesh, even if you're a high paid executive, you can't afford a U.S. coach. Like it's just like very different. Like the so like for those folks being able to access the wisdom of really good, like 80th percentile coaching effectiveness is still interesting. Uh, they obviously will not get the intimate like let's like hold space to find like all the things we just talked about that makes coaching actually great for me. How the fuck would an AI do that? Uh, <laughs> this doesn't make sense. Like, so, so that's, that's why I'm like coaching is I'm more likely to get automated away than a coach. <laughs> yeah. 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 And 
Uh, yeah, and also I need to do a thank you because that question we have a coaches journey community, and sometimes yeah. listeners, uh, members su- suggest questions. And that was a question from Alex yeah. Swallow. Really, he was asking, "Is coaching an AI protected industry?" And what I hear there, I think I think I've heard you say that on a different podcasts as well, actually, is and it makes complete sense to me that and you, you, I think it's happening already to some extent that you can you can kind of do coaching. There are some coaching bots or or whatever, and you can do some with that and. Look, there's yeah. some really and like therapy bots and, and there should be like, why not? And, and we like, you can imagine it because there is some, you know, there's some like, and I noticed myself slipping into it both. Like I can imagine, I don't know if you've actually got this plan for heyday. I can imagine an, uh, an AI like setup set of questions for a call and follow up set of questions. Cause the time when I'm, I'm most in set piece mood is the start and the end of a call. And it's so I can imagine bits so of that. We can talk about AI in two different ways. Yeah. yeah. One is completely trying to automate a coach. Yeah. And like replace the coach. And like and that's the one that we were just talked about, which is like, uh, is that gonna happen to coaches? Too much of it's human. Yeah, yeah. Too much of it's human, but there's probably worth it to do some version of it so that it uh it introduces access to some version of coaching to a lot more people who don't get it. Right. And and, and let's let's just catch that because I think it is really important that 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 then you know, again, it's for people who are thinking, oh no, what if what if I'm only as good as that bot? Well, like, like this is a harsh truth, but it's like, yep. then get better because you can, you absolutely can. Yeah. And, um, and I think that is, again, we get with this stuff. Um, it's a very, it's a very low baseline. <laughs> right, 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 like, right, right. <laughs> it, it, it's not the same thing as like a software engineer where some of it is just like task given or even like a designer, like, like an artist, right? It's like task, especially like when you're doing things like just like do a stock photo or whatever, right? It's like get take task, do task that was valuable 10 years ago and it's just going to increasingly not be valuable. With a coach, like part of, and, I, and I, I've said this before, part of what coaches do is to like tease out what the right questions are, not to give the answer. Yeah. AI is yeah. very good at when you have the question or the task to do something. Yeah. Um, for any job where to define what the question is, is the job. Yeah. That is going to be really hard <laughs> to, yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. So I had um, Claire Pedrick, who I mentioned before, and Lucia Baldelli on the show a few episodes ago, late last year. They have a new book, The Human Behind the Coach. One of the things, the stories they told was like, sometimes they do a lot of... Um, what do you call it? Like examining for passing coaching credentials. So you have to get to the, the high level. And they told this story. I just couldn't imagine this was true until I slowed down and really thought about it, which is that sometimes you, as an examiner, you will read the transcript and it will look like uh, great coaching. And then you find out that they failed. And then you listen to the audio or the watch the video of the session and you know why they failed. Because right. the connection, like it might be that the AI could do Absolutely. ask the speech marks textbook question, but if you listen to the person, then when that question is asked, the whole thing jars, it makes no sense, it, it doesn't follow at all. And so you get that sense from their story and what you're right. saying of like how different these things could be. Yeah. And, and and we were even just talking about this, where like going back to earlier point in our conversation, you could read something that was the right thing. And that was like very monumental. And you're like, cool. But then when it was the same thing could be repeated back to you when it's like in the right context at the right time done skillfully. And it will cause a completely different level of realization and growth, like literally. And so how could something 
that is just respond like its job is just to respond to you. Know when to interject something at the right moment. It's just like not how these things work right now. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah. So interesting. Yeah. Let's catch that. Let's let's go there now because I think it's it's really interesting. Um, but as we do that, like I, I loved, I found on on Twitter somewhere talking of whiteboards this great thing that was written on a whiteboard by I think you or Sam, um, which said uh, yeah. something like it was from early on I think in your maybe in in fundraising or something yeah. it was memory slash brain in the modern world people aren't built for it yeah, so yeah. I wonder as a like intro into the way that AI can support us if you could just sit, speak to that yeah I mean okay. One of the things that a computer is going to be always better at than you, that is a human, is computers have perfect memory. Uh, they will not re- forget anything, and they will remember the right thing the right way. And if you can search it, obviously, everyone has the experience with Google. Google can search the whole world, and worse and worse these days. But, you know, let's like let's talk peak Google back in like 2010, 2011, 2012. Wait, catch that. I think I could guess. But why is, why is it worse and worse like, these days? I don't, so I, I, this is this is it's less about the product and more about the company. Like uh, the founders aren't there anymore. It's run by someone who's a CEO who's less. I don't know. It's, it's more up. Optimizing revenue, kind of CEO, and so there's more ads. There's more. The experience is just like make more money uh, rather than how are we the world's best search engine all the time, right? So I think that's that's the that's the bigger crux of it. Um, yeah. But, but uh, sorry, so, so sorry to interrupt. So, but it was like yeah. you were saying, you know, it, it can do a thing that there's just no obviously from Google. If if someone yeah. is an example, which everyone knows, like it, right. obviously there's no possible way that a human could comb the internet for the the best hit for. Robbie Swale, even let yeah. alone something more like esoteric. unique or esoteric yeah. than that. Yeah, exactly. So we know that, right? And so uh, now apply that to more and more advancing algorithms and AI and and things like that. And like, uh, in one of the things that humans are uniquely bad at is like remembering things that might be useful. And so that's what's one of the things we started Heyday with is how do we remember things for people and then bring them back at the right time. Uh, and, 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 at, and be like, Oh, like I'm starting to work on, uh, I'm starting to work on this piece. And I forgot that like I'd read or listened to a podcast that would be like perfect to like reference for that. And, and, and it's so funny, isn't it? Like e- even some, occasionally I get a little flash of that when I, rem- I half remember the thing, but that doesn't give us any clue about all the times I've completely forgotten the right. thing right exactly yeah exactly so that's like even basic stuff yeah. um but but just to say to me like because again for people like who haven't been in this conversation before i heard um dustin moskovitz from asana you know i don't know whether that this was like last year an interview he did saying um so people who don't know him he was involved in facebook from early days but um and asana it's like a it's like a kind of company project management yeah, it's system? like a task project management system. Uh, they're, you know, they're one of those like, uh, yeah. But having played with Heyday, I can see how the thing he was talking about, which to me felt like the future when they was talking about it last year, is is probably here already. You know, he was saying, you know, think about all the times in meetings in a company that there isn't a the the, the like half the people think the one half of the people are going to do the action, and the other half think the other people uh, are going to yeah. do the action. Yeah, no right. one's clear on it, or you know, we didn't get to an action in a meeting. If you think about, imagine if you could just change 
that in a company, from that happening like in every meeting, which everyone who's been in a meeting knows happens in pretty much every meeting, to that happens in no meetings or all those little things yeah. get caught. Like that's that's interesting. That's interesting. Oh yeah, go on. So uh I'm just gonna say obviously Dustin Moskowitz, very accomplished, built an amazing company in Basana. They are huge and they do a really good job and provide a great product. His his lens on AI is going to be very narrowed to how does AI help me think about how to put in more tasks into my system? Right, right, right. Like, uh, hold on. I I should also say this is me remembering off the cuff from listening to an interview six months ago. So it's possible that I'm horribly misquoting him. It also totally makes sense for him to think about it that way. Like, it's like task management is a hammer and I'm making this hammer even more easy to use. But like the right thing to do is to like step back and be like, okay, why do we even need to have people assigned to tasks? What do what do they do? And how would AI help first principles rather than like not like being like, oh, we're already doing these things. How do we like smooth over the edges of those things? That's one that's definitely an improvement. But yeah. the the next level of improvement is well, well, instead of having a task management system, why don't we have a task? AI that literally just like uh, is you don't manage your tasks. This thing just tells you what when you need to do it, what they are. And like, sure, that'd be hard. And there's there's a ways to go. But like that, that's like an evolution of a thing that isn't being constrained by the the current version of how people deal with things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lovely, lovely. And so maybe give us a sense of that. So um, first maybe it's interesting so because i love the frame that you gave which is i've heard and i've heard you and sam say it before the idea is to have the ai thought partner for knowledge workers and then you came to coaches being the place to start and then i you know i've read uh one of you say or maybe sam said it to me when we spoke because he was a part of setting up this conversation um thanks sam um you know that the, the way to expand the way the part of your plan is you know you do this really well for one group and then see how that goes and then build that out from there. And each time you do it, you'll you'll know more about that. Yeah. What led you to coaches first? And then I guess the question I want to get to is, um, you know, you just gave a kind of idea of, you know, the first principal thing. Like, how has that kind of thinking created the product that you've got now? Like, how does it, how can we support coaches in, in, in using this kind of technology? Yeah, I mean... Uh... So there's a lot of questions in there. <laughs> yep, step by step. So how do we get to coaches? Um, I think I was talking about like we were we wanted to focus. We had an in, like a in, a few initial clusters of customers that uh, were using Heyday, and so we were, we like we talked to a bunch of different ones. You know, uh, public markets, financial investors, uh, entrepreneurs themselves, uh, journalists, content marketers, and coaches for some reason, and so. Uh, Do you remember why coaches were on the list at that point? Uh, they were just, I don't know, some of them were using it. I think they might have been like mostly using it as like solo entrepreneurs who were like, hey, I've like do a lot of reading and like I, I just want like something that helps me bring back like interesting, like so, someone like you might might have found the initial version of Heyday interesting because you do a lot of reading and you do a lot of research and and it's like, it's not coaching focused, but it's like, oh yeah, like I remember reading about this thing about um, inner critic or the inner game of tennis and like, who's the other person who was talking about that? Just like basic stuff like that. Nothing nothing optimized for coaching, right? But but so at that stage, what's actually, what's Heyday actually doing? It's like, it's, it's 
to give people an idea, it's, it's what? It's yeah, reading it's like, what I'm reading and then it's... it's reading everything um, you're reading. It's integrated with your email. It's like, it's... Uh, the way that it pulls in the information is still pretty similar to what it does today, except um, it doesn't. It didn't have a Zoom integration at that time. So um, mostly all about reading, everything you're reading, documents, emails. And then, if, and then I decide I'm going to write about the end of game of tennis, and it stops me forgetting that Miles told this great story about the end of game of tennis. Yeah, it's just it just tries to bring up helpful context as you're doing things. That that was the main main, uh, and and it didn't make any assumptions of who you were and what you were trying to do. It was just like. Oh, you're doing a Google search uh, about something. Here's like stuff not in just in the public web. Here's stuff that like from your memory that might be interesting to what you're doing. You're trying to write, uh, you're trying to Google Doc about something. Oh, here, maybe here's a, or you're reading an article and it's like, oh, here are like other articles that you've read that reference this article or just like helping, like helping you have more memory context as you go about your life. Very general. Um, So again, that's why we're like, it felt like a cool tool to a lot of people rather than it felt feeling like this like must have thing that has changed the way someone's working. So, right. And again, just to go back to the story you told about journal, that's one of the things it's like, it's a cool tool, but it's not so important that I need to pay for this. Yeah. Yeah. So basically we made a slightly cooler tool. That yeah. Was, <laughs> uh, didn't fully use the, the, the um lessons that we'd thought we'd learned um but then the next evolution was like okay no we really gotta we gotta learn more about a per like the theory was you have to know about what what people need in their job and optimize directly for that rather than uh and and the way we think about it is we have the building blocks to quickly help many different kinds of jobs uh, but we need to learn what their actual needs are and then a- adjust the workflow. So, for example, having that in- introducing the Zoom integration, introducing the aggregation of information about your clients into one place is a coach specific experience. It also applies to many other people, anyone. I, we think of coaches as basically like a special case of a consultant, someone who helps many clients um, and they need to understand clients like their clients and their like the things that they're helping their clients with uh, at a deep level. So like that, that, that could be naturally the next larger group of people we go after. Uh, but also like as a founder, I, I get a lot of uh, heyday just because the, the building blocks we've built uh, sure. They're like focused around helping coaches, but they're, they're, they're generally helpful to almost anyone who does a lot of thinking work. Yeah. thinking knowledge work yeah and it, well, one of the things that struck me when i was learning a bit about heyday was um you know so one of the yeah people who who haven't checked it out yet um the zoom integration that you're talking about that samir's talking about is essentially as i understand it it uh heyday like listens to a zoom recording and it um transcribes it because this is how it works i think i heard you say on another podcast and then it summer it, it creates a summary a post session summary and what's really interesting about that, given the context of what we've been talking about, is I was trying to work out when this was before this conversation. I think it was, I think it was probably in 2020 sometime. I was really trying to get into uh, the idea of the zone of genius and like what is mine and how do I get into that more and more, trusting that as I do that, better work is done and you know more success is had. And one of the things that I was doing a lot of the time was like writing session follow-up. And in the end, I slowed down with the 80-20 rule and I was like, 80-20 on my coaching, what is, um, like, 
what is cre- what is the twenty percent that's creating eighty percent of the value? Well, it's more than that. It's like almost all the value is actually created by the conversation, conversation um, yeah. that that I'm having, and and so really, I need to be doing that as much as possible and spending time writing. And I write well, and I like writing, so I have this problem that I spend time writing really intricate like follow up, which is lovely. But actually, if I'm really interested, in- most of your clients probably don't read it. Right. Most of them don't. And and so so what my solution to it was to stop sending those things and to just record the sessions and like people who want it can find those key minutes. But what's interesting is the slightly unsatisfying thing about that is what you said is absolutely true. Most clients didn't read it. Some clients did and loved it. You know, one person was like, this is like having a book about me, you know, that I can read in this email thread and come back to and and there's this slightly lost thing, which I say I do for clients sometimes, where it's like it is useful to have somebody to like nag you in a really low, gentle way to say, "This yeah. is what you said you do," you know. Yeah. And I, you know, so one of the things that Heyday does, and I can really see, like, if it had been around three years ago in that way, as I was making that decision, I'd have been like, "Oh, this is a neat way to solve that problem," because I can get. And what's nice about it again that people won't have um you can play with it on a is it like a two week trial that people can get so yeah. so you, yep. you, you can play people can play with it if they want to um but what's nice is it's uh like coach specific right you can feel that in the in the summary now of course it's it's i guess it's gonna get more and more yeah fine tuned in that but it it does mean that like it it can be really uh on point particularly with the action stuff if we go back to that slightly the the dustin um Moskowitz thing, but also what you know what I was just talking about, like catching those things and giving them back to people is one of if I was to 80-20 on the notes, right? The 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 if I was if I was to continue writing notes and think 80-20, well, one of them would be a little reminder of what we spoke about and what you said you do. And client plenty of clients find that useful, right? Yeah. So um a little bit of a window into how we got there. So many of your uh many of the folks in your audience may have tried things like Otter or Fireflies or Fathom or any, there's like tons of transcription summary software, right? Um, A thing that you mentioned is that like, they are a very general, like we will join a meeting, take a transcription, and then just describe what happened, right? Um, Or summarize maybe even the key, like key top, key things said very well. But that is like the view of taking every meeting and, um, you know, Treating it the same, no matter if it's like a sales conversation, a one-on-one, a uh, introductory call, a date for Zoom dates back in the <laughs> pandemic that people did, right. I, crazy, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, and it, like you know, if you, and then a coach-client conversation, where so much of the context is from previous conversations, from emails, from all the other stuff that like, how could you understand the shorthand that's happening? between a code if you didn't know the entire history um so the way that we approached it there's a little bit of a current is both like well one what like we are well set up to do this because as a as as trying to be the coach's digital memory we already know a lot about or our concept is not to treat each call as a call is each call is just a point on the journey with the client and so you're just like summarizing that new point and not mm. summarizing just the call in its like uh uh in isolation where we have the context of everything that's been happening with that client and like what their key goals are what their existing action items were and so that means one we were able to do higher quality 
um, takeaways because we all that context is there. But also, we did a human process. We worked with like ten different coaches, uh, and our process was and I, it worked out really well. Where we, me, Sam, and uh, 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 Brendan on our team, we basically worked as we signed NDAs with these coaches. Uh, we worked as back office assistants, doing essentially listening to all their calls and doing the transcribing. Uh, doing the summarization ourselves for the coaches and trying to figure out what else, what else do coaches value, but don't want to do. Um, and uh, throughout that experience, our job was basically, okay, we're going to be the, we're going to be free assistance for you. And our job will eventually be to replace ourselves with AI. So that way we built like deep understanding of what actually, what is high quality, what are good notes? Because when we first started, it'd be like, the coach would respond be like, that's interesting, but that's that weren't my key takeaways. And here's here's like what I would be. And then or like, okay, those are the right takeaways, but the style in which you did it, I wouldn't want to send to my client. And like just like that rapid iteration of a human style let us to understand what it what would be good for coaches. And then we could target it ourselves when our when we're creating our AI. So having that deep understanding is what made us create something that is actually like shockingly good is what most coaches will say because they just <laughs> this is one of those things that like yeah. um most coaches will be like well you know i don't really have this problem and like n- no offense again this is what you came to this realization your skill is not writing great notes your skill is having your superpower is having insightful conversations um and so if you were trying to be the best coach possible you would focus as much as possible on that and then kind of not do as much as possible of the rest. Part of having great conversations is to have great memory of what was happening previously so that you don't, like one of the things I hated sometimes with uh, working with some of my coaches is that like I would have to repeat myself because they have 15, 20 clients and like (laughs) you might not remember what was the most important thing for this client. And it's like, let's like get, and that was kind of annoying. Um, And so it would take away from the magic of the conversation in some ways. so, like, if there's a thing like heyday, which both, perf- like, 95% captures the right things, so that the next, even if you don't send it to your client, right before your next session, you can get an email, here's the, here's, here are your upcoming sessions for the day, and here are the things to, like, here are the, the most important things for you to remember that's been happening with this client. Yeah, yeah, and i, I got to say, like, um, that is so i although i don't send notes to clients anymore a bit like i'm doing in this conversation i scribble stuff down during a call and some of that is like on the surface i'm doing that mostly because i i want to have sometimes i want to have the exact language that somebody used to give back to them and uh, you know for some reason you know i think it'd be a fun some some coach mentors would tell me like trust your listening you'll be fine don't need to take notes but i I like to do that because sometimes it can be really powerful and then the way i use it though is exactly that it's like to really try and get get back into someone's space ahead of a call and yeah right like i can really imagine that that this is like you said like what is it that, that an ai system can do that a person can't well one of it is you know remember literally in fact if you've had heyday or something like it for the whole time you've worked on exactly. six months every word that was said in six months of work right so right. that is really interesting. and then not no one wants to read <laughs> six months of transcripts it's like a, yeah. it's like three books it's it's like the the job of the ai is to extract the 90 percent of the right things yeah so that you can just like look at it at a glance and be like, oh, I know. 
I know what I need to like what what this client's state of mind is or what yeah. what I'm working on. And you can answer this one about this question. It's really interesting about Heyday or about just these kind of systems generally. Because I was playing with one actually for creating podcast show notes the other day, um, which yeah. which is which is again it's a similar similar sort of idea. It's like let's take all this stuff and let's make it specific for this 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 niche. Don't uh, listeners, we haven't used it yet. Um, everything you've read has been written so far has been written by people, but it'll it'll happen soon. Um, so. As I, I, I'm guessing that one of the key things is, you know, you talked about the, the coach saying this isn't written in my style yet. It, I mean, I don't know if, if Heyday does this or other software does it, but presumably as time goes on, it'll learn from what you yep. like, you know. I mean, for example, when I was playing with Heyday, one of the things I was like, oh, I get this. But if I'm sending my notes, like I'm a little bit more like uh, your comedian coach than this sounds. Yes, right, and right. what I would need is to just like tweak that that way. And I guess like that feels like, again, an obvious thing that a, the machine learning can do yeah. and will do as time goes on. It, it, it already kind of does uh, in that like, so we have a workflow where you can edit the notes. We always think of like, again, especially for high... We're trying to augment augment people who are really good at their jobs, right? So we're so they're already very good, and so they we treat it as like you get like ninety five percent of the way there, but you are the human director that will finish it off. You finish it off, and then you send it off. So you have that UX that ideally between two to five minutes you can like edit the notes and then send it to a client. A lot of times, coaches who haven't been sending things to clients will almost always just send the same thing. Uh, coaches who have their own style, they will edit the language to become more them. Uh, and our goal is to like learn from the edits, like how hmm. that coach would actually want to talk to their clients. Uh, it takes time to learn that, you know, as, as you're doing it. And honestly, I'd say it, it it's not as good as it should be uh, right now. Like understanding the style of the coaches, like, actual communication uh and so i can see someone like you being like eh, i don't want to really send this to my client but someone like you probably still would get value from this having it come back to you the next time you're meeting with that client so yeah. even if you don't send it to your client it's about like oh well i don't when i get this back to me i don't need it to be in my voice i just need it to like remind me of like the facts of the yeah. of the things yeah of the important yeah. things. I, well and i gotta say like when, when i had a had the trial on my clients mostly had that reaction that um, that you said coaches have, which is like, oh wow, this is way like how cool this is way this is way better than I was expecting it to be, and this is really right. really useful. And um, Samir, we're almost at at time now. It's been like time's flown by. Thanks so much for like um, yeah, it's been a great chat. bringing it to this conversation. Yeah. There are kind of two things that I um I like just want to invite you to touch on if if you want to, uh, but you could also choose one. So the first is. Like, you know, it's a really, you, you were really clear, right? That um, you believe that avoiding AI is the wrong move because in the end you'll have to come to it. So yeah. what are the like, and this a little bit as a question from one of the members of the community, Joey, as well. Like, what are the concerns that co you've seen coaches particularly have with using AI, whether that's Heyday or something else? And like, what what do you think about those concerns? And the other thing I'm interested in is we kind of, because we kind of touched on it earlier and said we might come back to it, is like, what are the, you've, you've been looking at coaches 
from a very interesting place. We talked about, well, from a few places. We talked about one, which is um, as a client, but as someone who's looked in at what coaches are doing from the side in a really interesting way, what have you what have you seen? So there's two quite big yeah. questions. So choose choose for you, like whether you answer one or both or, or how you take it. Yeah, I'll, I'll do it in order. Both are very interesting. Um, one, uh, with, with what are coaches concerned about? So one of them is like less about AI and it's just like simply about um, a lot of coaches, you know, the nature of coaching is that you're diving into some potentially gnarly um, topics and they're sometimes worried about just the security and privacy of any software, the heyday or anything else where recording's happening or like, you know, processing happening, what's going to happen, uh, you know, all the way ranging from some concerns that I'm, I guess like if you're high level enough, if you're like, if you're really working with fortune 500 execs, which some of our coaches do, then you, you have the concern of, well, what if I get subpoenaed? Um, and if there's records, like my clients will be, like they're re- like there'll be if i have recordings then those recordings can be searched and blah 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 uh i would assume that 99.9% of coaches should not have to worry about this they're they're not getting subpoenaed i don't know if you know any coaches that have been subpoenaed i don't know how the uk legal system works uh i mean me either but 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 like you say it's like uh like confidentiality is a really and security is a really valid concern. Um, you know, in fact, I've just I was just thinking just then that that um, in fact I probably because I'm an ICF credential coach, the ICF code of ethics means that actually like you know I'm actually like literally they could kick me out of the ICF if 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 I wasn't being responsible about that. So yeah, it's yeah, it's it's real stuff. That kind of extreme example sounds incredibly rare, yeah, but but exactly. I guess more likely is just yeah. It, but it makes sense, right? Confidentiality, that stuff is 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 a real concern. Well, it's like. So with AI, I think it's like a secondary concern that I think is real. And if, and you should, anytime you're using AI, you should be mindful of this is that the the software that you're using, the AI system that you're using, are they using your information to learn and train their system in a way that's going to leak potentially information or your secret sauce to other people? Um, For example, I got to say on a, a really practical level how would a person how would i actually know that is there any easy way to do that because it sounds like it sounds like a tough thing to i mean not an easy way but a that's a really good point it's got it's it's really hard to tell like from mm-hmm. the outside um like one we we say that hey our incentive so also i would say one very high level tip uh if something is free you are the product so do not right. Do not use free AI tools and put in uh, information that's confidential. Like, it's just, you have no terms of service protecting you. There's no reason for them to not use your information. Uh, When paid products like us, like, our incentive is to continue to help you so you continue to pay us. So there's at least, like, not only is it's there's just, like, an alignment of incentives. Like, we have, our goal is to not, piss you off and in all the ways <laughs> and provide you value without pissing you off. And so um that we that's, we will do that. We'll prioritize that. Um and so that's one really basic thing. And then like, you know, just 
try to look at like the conf- like security and privacy policies of these products. Like, you know, we try to make it pretty clear. It's, it's that like, hey, we will not train on your information. We will, if we're doing stylistic training for you, it will be only for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a it's a very core thesis of ours is that, not thesis, principle of ours is that where we will limit learning to help a person to that person. Not, um, we will obviously try to take the principles that people are telling us and try to like uh, improve our systems to like apply those principles better. But that's very different than like the direct, this is how Robbie helped this client. That seems like a good way to help clients. Let's like help all of our coaches do that. That's just like, like not something we like, we technologically do not allow that to happen. Yeah. Um, so like looking for things like that. Uh, hmm. Yeah, I think that's like, that's like a, that's a legitimate concern. And and like yeah. when you're using, when you're trying to use these AI tools, if you put something in the chat GBT that like involves your client's information and you're not a paid user of chat GBT, they're going to use that to learn stuff. That's just how their terms of service is set up. Yeah. So don't do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's that's useful. And a, a great reminder of that that thing about if you're not paying, you're the product, right? Like um yeah. that's a yeah, a great rule of thumb. And and what about the other questions, Samir? So you you've been looking at Sorry, coaching yeah. from the yeah. side. Like yeah. what what have you what have you noticed? And and I and, and I guess I'm asking this. Can you, can you uh, point me in a direction? Because that's a very big uh area. <laughs> I honestly, I'm not sure I can. I'm just really curious. Like um, if you like, or maybe maybe this is it, right? What is like, either in a kind of admirable way or in a like weird, quirky way? What is like, what are just some things that you've seen from like? Maybe maybe some of this is NDA, right? You can't do it for those people, yeah. but you're like you're getting feedback from coaches all the time. You're seeing what they're doing. What are some yeah. like weird stuff that coaches do that you just think that's weird? And what are some like really amazing things that you see? So admirable. Um, I've worked with you know I've worked on so many products, right? Um, and with so many customer bases and all that stuff. Coaches by far the nicest, the most, the the best first product customer that I've ever had uh, just because one that like their whole job is to give really constructive feedback. <laughs> right. Uh, and so, so they can both be nice and tell you exactly what they need, yeah. which is amazing. <laughs> like it's, it's almost always either one or the other. Like it's like rude people who are smart, uh, who are just like, ask, like just annoying to listen to or, or nice people who won't tell you why something isn't working for them. And so coaches were fantastic as like a customer of a product because they were very skilled at like just telling you what they needed, but without being an asshole. Um, and so that that's awesome. Uh, a lot of them are solopreneurs. And so tight iteration cycle. It's, it's like really great to work with someone who makes the decision and is the end user of the product and, you know, um, can give you and, and has the time to give you feedback and all that stuff. And so that's been fantastic. Uh, the weird things I've noticed about coaches. So uh, let's see. Um, so, some coaches. So one of <laughs> we started with uh, anything that's like very quantitative is like not very appealing to coaches. So um, we started one of our LinkedIn ads with save 10 hours a month writing notes, which from the outset would seem for a non-coach would be like, oh yeah, that's that's a great value prop, right? Like $40 a month to save 10 hours a month. Amazing. That's $4 a month. Uh, $4 an hour. Amazing. Uh, but for coaches, we changed this, like 
we tried a different headline, which was capture all the meaningful moments. And that works so much better. And I think that might be true for a lot of people, but I think it's way more true for coaches that they care way more about the aspirational than the pragmatic sometimes. Yeah, how interesting. As a, as a, it was, that's great, but it's like something quirky, I would say. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's probably like a like everything, right? There's, there's something really like there's something even admirable about that. Yeah. Really, that's why yeah. coaches are in it, right? For the match, for the moments. But there's also probably for most of us, you know, like everything, there's a a, a shadow to it. And the shadow is yeah. like sometimes coaches need to like pull themselves together, quantify some stuff, and work out how they could save ten hours, or right. you, know, right. you know, have ten more potential conversations with potential clients, right? Like sometimes doing getting getting right. serious like that. Yeah. Is, so, so another the client thing is another great example. So when we 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 have a writing AI writing assistant that helps like suggests topics to write about, helps you go from zero to one of a draft based on the topic. And the the idea is coaches are phenomenal at having insightful conversations. Not all of them are great at turning that into written shareable content. Um, and so what if an assistant are like, I don't, I don't want to help anyone write fucking all the, like, you know, the people who write chat GPT, like write a blog post about this for me. Like, well, like write a write a high school essay um, yeah, uh, about right, this. Exactly. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, uh, I don't want to enable anyone to just like spew out nonsense, but I definitely want to enable people to be able to share their insights uh, more frequently, more at a ra- more rapid pace. Their original, actual insights, and like that. That's the thing that we want to do with Heyday. When we when we talk about it in a way where we're saying leverage your insightful conversations with your client to share more content, to grow your brand, to grow your business, blah, blah, blah. That does not land as much as leverage your client conversations, extract your wisdom to share more wisdom with your community. That is way more attractive. We're all so sweet, aren't we? How cute. Yeah. It's like a quirk. I'm like, so it's like, Every coach I talk to, they worry about having a consistent client flow. Yep. And yet, when you try to advertise them about something that will help them have convinced, it's like not as attractive. <laughs> yeah, so but you tell them like, oh, help share your insights to your community in like a more generous way. That is something that's more interesting to them from the outset. And I think it might make sense because they want to buy a product that understands that that's what they aspirationally care about. But like the reality is what they're going to get out of it is it will also help them grow their business. And that's what they, that's why they really should do it. <laughs> yeah. And look, I mean, probably some, I can't quite do it in this moment. If we were to double click on what you've just said, there's like sales principles in there that are really useful. But um, yeah, I think it is. I think it, it, it is tapping into why people are really there. Yeah. As an entrepreneur, I have to be like, I'm building things that are awesome for people. But I also have to fucking shove it down their face because like yeah. it's just like the way business works. And I'm I'm happy to do it because I, I know this will be useful for them. And so like I'm trying to get at them to use it. Yeah. And I do not yeah. mind using whatever tactics necessary to get that to happen. Yeah. I think sometimes coaches don't want to get dirty. <laughs> Absolutely right. Absolutely right. It reminds me of one of my favorite um, Steve Chandler stories who was, you know, Rich's partner writing The Prosperous Coach. And he says something like, Imagine you're walking in a desert and you have some water and you see someone who needs some water. Like, what would you do? 
would you think, I'm just not sure if they want water from me or like, maybe I'm not the right person to give water to this person. You know, like, I don't want to be too pushy about my water, right? Just give them, shove it down their throat or give them the water and they can, you know, they can be a face. It's like seeing someone, uh, someone, someone like choking and then being like, should I give them CPR? Like, I don't know if they would want my lips on their lips. Like, they're going to (laughs) die. So, yeah, we definitely need to channel a little bit of that. I think most coaches listening will will need to do that. Late stage, late stage liberalism leftism is a little bit. (laughs) Is a little has its own problems, I think. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely does. Samir, you've been so generous with your time. Thank you. Um, we've covered so many great topics, and I, I love that we've got to um, a really like in a way when we could have made it more practical to a really practical like yeah, coaches like you can afford to to channel a little bit of of shoving it down their throat sometimes, and also meet people where they are because like that's also what you're doing. Remember when you're talking about your work. Right. You may yeah. want to talk about it one way, but actually, like you can bring some of that. But but in here, there's been here's, so here's much the pitch I would make the coach. Yeah, go on. Uh, you I would I would hope that what you that you think you're doing something truly valuable for your clients. Wouldn't you want more people who've never had coaches to know about the value that they could get from you? So that you could do more good. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, Samir, thanks so much. We've covered so many great things in this conversation. Um, It's been such a pleasure to have it. Um, And yeah, look, best of luck with everything. We'll put links to you and Heyday and all the things we've talked about in in the show notes, including the coaches that you've worked with. Um, But yeah, just really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. I I love this conversation. It just, the time just flew by. (laughs) Hello, Robbie here again. A couple of quick things before you go on to whatever else you've got going on in the rest of your day. Uh, And that is, if you've enjoyed this conversation, then you might be interested in becoming a supporter of the Coach's Journey podcast or joining the Coach's Journey community. Both of those are ways to support the show, help it continue, help it reach more and more people, but they also give you other things that you might be interested in. If you become a supporter, which is paying a small amount of money every month, then you'll get advanced notice of guests, perhaps the chance to ask questions of guests, um, depending on what membership level you have, and and more monthly video updates from me, all kinds of other bits and pieces. And if you join the Coach's Journey community, then you get all of that, plus you get to be part of a group coaching program led by me um, and attend group coaching calls up to 10 times a year, have one-on-one coaching with me, and be part of a community of coaches who want to create thriving coaching businesses and thrive as people while they do it. And um, one of the members said recently that the word that keeps coming up in the members WhatsApp group is beautiful to describe those calls. And so um, I'd love to have you there on one of those calls. Um, and as a member of the community or a supporter of the show, it would mean the world to me and it helped me to keep doing this thing that I love to do and that many, many people have told me is really helpful for them. So thanks very much for listening and hope to have you back with us on the Coach's Journey podcast sometime soon.